a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. Turmoil has engulfed the Galactic Republic. The taxation of trade routes to outlying star systems is in dispute. Hoping to resolve the matter with a blockade of deadly battleships, the greedy Trade Federation has stopped all shipping to the small planet Naboo. While the Congress of the Republic endlessly debates this alarming chain of events, the Supreme Chancellor has secretly dispatched two Jedi Knights, the guardians of peace and justice in the galaxy, to settle the conflict. What is up, everyone? You know, we have been uh, we've been hyping and hyping and hyping for months now, it seems like, this Bombad buildup, and, and all of a sudden, here we are, the road to Episode 9, The Rise of Skywalker, here at the beginning of the saga, Episode 1, The Phantom Menace, with my good buddy Scotty. How you doing, Scotty? Yep. Dude, I'm doing great. I'm so excited. You have no idea. This is, guys, this is not our, our typical episode. We're going to get right into it. And to do that, I need to bring in our very special guest, the one, uh, uh, an esteemed member of the one and only club, Mr. Pete <laughs> Fletcher. How you doing, Pete? Hello, gentlemen. How's it going? Oh, it is fantastic. Oh, so good to be here with great. you tonight. I, I am so psyched about this, and I know that... Uh, you just said that you can't believe it's here already. And, and I remember when you guys asked me when I was on just a couple of weeks ago in October 27th, felt so far away. And uh, and then you reminded me and I was psyched that we're finally getting to get to talk about what has become definitely one of my favorite of the Star Wars movies, which is very strange for me to say. <laughs> That's amazing. No, it, it's weird. It's like in less than what is it like 15 or 14 days from when we air this. The Mandalorian's gonna drop. Fourteen oh, days. Are you kidding me? And then I'm not ready. I think it's <laughs> will be six weeks away at that. Just at six weeks away from when that drops, till we get the Rise of Skywalker. I just we we are living in incredible times to be a Star Wars fan, and we're <laughs> so happy everyone's here to join us, especially Pete. But um, guys, this is this is it. This is the bomb I build up. We will have a a different episode every Tuesday dealing with. Um, each saga film. So next week we're gonna have the uh, girls with a forced toast on to talk about Attack of the Clones. So super, super stoked for that. But um, anyway, let's stick to today. We are talking about the infamous Phantom Menace, um, guys. I gotta ask you, uh, maybe Pete first. Pete, what does this movie mean to you overall? This whole movie, what does it mean to you? Well, to me personally, um, it was an important movie for me because it was when I was uh, sort of in the thick of doing the work that I was doing for Star Wars Galaxy magazine. It was an exciting time for me as I was uh, I was getting to uh, have access to a guy who was a mentor and became uh, a friend of mine, Steve Sansweet. Uh, awesome. Not that I'm dropping names, I got to go to the <laughs> premiere, so it was a it was a really it was a really exciting time. And quite honestly, though, the movie itself initially hit me in a uh, less than than positive way. And as I was just alluding to before, I've since gone back and it's really become strangely one of my favorite of all the Star Wars movies. And, um, you know, part of it has to do with the fact that I've become sort of a student of this movie with my crazy fan fiction, but also um, <laughs> just because I now have a, a sense as to what its role is in this larger, you know, 42 year saga. Great point. Great point. I mean, especially bringing it up the fact that 
it was it was one of those things you kind of you might have had a little bit of animosity towards at first and not really understand it. But I, I can almost say the same exact thing. Not that I didn't like it when it came out. I just always took it, you know, up until about five years ago. I always thought it was kind of a silly movie, and like right. now really reflecting on it, it's it's not like at all. And, um, mm-hmm. yeah, no, I, I, that's, that's kind of, you know, what, what I have to say about it. It's, it's, it's one of the first ones I saw in theaters and it was, and it was perfect for my age. I was like five when it came out. So it was like my, I was the demographic, but it's funny because even still when I watched it, I feel, I still feel like I'm the demographic, which is interesting. I can't yeah. figure it out. But, um, Jerry, what about you? What does it mean to you? Well, j- just real quick on what you were saying there about how you still feel like you're the, the demographic. That's what's so great about these films is that they they are made to appeal to younger audiences. But uh, there's there's so many nuggets and kernels of of truth and uh, just I don't know amazing deep themes uh, of yes that it really just it, you, you it still hits you even when you're here. I am thirty two. 20 years ago, I went to see The Phantom Menace as, as a 12-year-old, and, I mean, I love it just as much now, if not more. Yeah. Especially for its place in the saga. For me, this movie, um, I don't know, like, you know, we said we don't want to talk about the negativity and stuff because this is, you know, we're trying to keep it positive and story-focused, but um, I, I've always loved this movie. It, it's always just mm. really been important to me because this is this is the beginning of the story. Um and there's just, I don't know, there's, there's so many good themes. There's so many, it, it just gets richer. Uh, it's a fine wine, baby. It just gets, <laughs> it's it older to me. So, although with our watch along, you guys, if you, if you, uh, watched my Periscope with my, my neighbor, um, <laughs> we, uh, uh, definitely, we hit that point in our brain where the CG is now looking dated and st- yeah. It happened a couple weeks it ago does. for me because I remember watching it a couple weeks ago going like, this still looks pretty good. Then I watched it Friday. I was like, Dude, oh, my gosh, what happened? <laughs> it's, there's some scenes that look amazing. And then there's some scenes like when you first meet Jar Jar, it's rough. But when he's in the, <laughs> the bongo, it actually looks amazing. Oh, yeah. Like, that's it a looks fantastic like it could be sequence done today. Right. And, and it's he, funny. Yeah, it's funny you say that now because the last time I watched it, I noticed that uh, – Ewan and um, and Liam at times aren't really looking directly Mm-mm. in the right spot when they're talking to Jar Jar. No, but, uh, but again, I mean, again, if to spin it to the positive without even trying, it was the first time this had ever been done, and Isn't that's that one of the amazing things about this film is, you know, people people do critique it and call it a little wooden and and too CG heavy, and and they blame George, but the reality is nobody had ever directed a movie like this before, ever. and so right. nobody. There was nobody had done it, so of course you're going to start in a little bit of a challenging spot. And and again, in hindsight, it's amazing what was done at 20, 20 years ago. Now, it's wild. The, the still the one sequence, and I'll tell anyone if if you ever want to test your surround sound system, the 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 podcast out of the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> the Play this race. podcast and test your surround. Exactly. That's it. Bombadcast. Play now this is podcast. We have a five point one. Yes. <laughs> Test, testing uh, format. No, um, the pod race scene is such a solid scene. It literally, I never, I kind of watched it from a different lens. I thought about it from a perspective like a 1960s movie, you know, mm. like how they had a race sequence. It was, ju- George did that so well and how sound tells more of the story. There's no music to the very end. It's just, yep. it's, and you know, I, I guess if we can go on to the next part, gushing over while we love this movie, a hundred percent. The biggest reason was the music. I mean, the music is so good, and it's honestly funny thing is I grew up, you know, 
having it be that Star Wars was my Star Wars, but like every video game that followed it all yes. used Phantom Menace music. Yeah. So like Bounty audio Hunter, books Phantom too. Music. It's I mean it's audiobooks. all over the audiobooks. Exactly. And then like uh Battlefront game all those great LucasArts games all did Phantom Menace music, which like totally I never realized it subconsciously must have made me fall more in love with that movie too. But yeah, that's, it's interesting because yeah, the um, there's the there used to be uh, was it the Disney Infinity game, uh, oh, which yeah. I I, pl- I played oh, yeah. over and over and over with my son, and I realized that the uh, I guess whatever the marches or the Trade Federation or whatever the is everywhere, and that's such a great piece, and it was never heard again, and and that I we have to hear that again in episode nine. I hope something at least a taste of it. Funny enough, you say that, and there's one song that I a thousand percent am convinced they're going to play in episode nine, but I'll get into that later. It'll, awesome. You'll, okay. It, you, it'll it'll be Jeez. like, oh wait, that is very true. <laughs> but um, Jerry, why, why, is there anything you just love about this movie? Is there like like you can put on a Star Wars movie, and there's one thing that really kind of stands out to you? And I know I the pod race is for me. That 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 is just such a great scene. What about you? Well, what I know that love? when I was doing that that periscope, uh, I had left to to go do something for a second. I had to run back when I heard the pod race like fanfare start up. Yeah. I was like, oh it's no, so I don't want to miss good. the pod race. I, the pod race is really good. Um, there's there's so many. I was noticing even today. I watched through it again uh, with my uh, my my. Adorable Padawan. Uh, I have a picture. Maybe I'll post on on uh, Twitter of her sitting. We built a tent. We built a fort in the nice. of course, you know, because I'm you know dad of the year, all that stuff. <laughs> and then uh, she has. It's her eating peanut butter crackers with apple juice, uh, just entranced with the Phantom Menace. She loves. Wow. She loves it, and it's just it. It really just got me right there, and so. Oh man! Moments like that this weekend where I was like, "Yep, she's mine." That and we went trick or treating in our downtown here, where in Michigan where we live, they had like a, a trick or treating event for little kids, and her and her cousin were Anna and Elsa. But there's this I, this guy had to be with the five hundred first, but his wife was Princess Leia, very legit Princess Leia. Yeah, he was <laughs> the legit Darth Vader. Like, I mean the lit the light up. Ch- Ooh, wow! I mean, heavy cape, everything. It was legit and even spoke through a speaker um but my little girl wanted to go up and see darth vader <laughs> oh that was pretty good hey. but you know why i love this movie it's not just because she loves it it's because we see baby darth vader and uh yeah, it's true make it connect but uh, anyway <laughs> no I, I just had to gush about my two-year-old sorry guys but uh i don't know man I, i'm just gonna have to get, we're gonna have to get into it because i I've got so much I want to gush about, Scotty. The that the sequence, all the sequences we've mentioned so far. You guys know I love the opening uh, action with the Jedi yep. fighting down the hallway. Obi Wan and, and Qui Gon. Oh yeah. Uh, fighting down well, the hallway. Just that from the time the droids arrive at that door, uh, and you know the, it opens, and then the smoke. You see the lightsabers. I just love that. That just oh, okay. Such an underrated sequence. So what what I had planned for this, and, and our listeners as well, you'll get in on it. We have our first main thing we want to discuss is what is the state of the galaxy? What is the galaxy like? And I have something written up, if you don't mind me reading, gentlemen. Is that okay with you? Please do. All right. Read away. Peace. So 
it's peace. There's no, there's not really any big conflict going on. So the Jedi, as we know, we, they ensure peace and justice for all the Republic, which has stood for a thousand years at this point. They were the Knights of the Republic, and they didn't fight for anyone. They just, they didn't fight. They were just guardians. They were there for protectors. They were, um, they were warriors of peace. And these Jedi, these two of them, were actually sent to negotiate term agreements to the Trade Federation above the sovereign planet of Naboo. Um, when they arrived, they were escorted into a room, and then that Jedi transport were de- was destroyed. It was just blown up, and the Jedi were almost killed by some poisonous gas. And the Trade Federation, at that point, was going to, and they had a plan to release the droid army on the capital of Naboo. Uh, and this small conflict, to me, was, a, I mean, will obviously have very big consequences. That was all planned behind one in particular person, and we'll get into that later. But Jerry... Bring it, bring it up, man. Tell us about that one scene—the very first scene we see with Obi Obi Wan and Qui Gon. <sighs> oh, uh, <laughs> what's not to love about it? I mean, I was just getting into it, like just the whole thing about like we—it's our first interaction with how those battle droids are too. They're a little—they're mm-hmm. goofy, right? You know, they get the or the check it out, Corporal Roger Roger, and all that. They're kind of stormtroopery though in their own. It's right. very stormtroopery. There, I one might even say they're they might be better shots. <laughs> yes, because they're shooting at Jedi and the Jedi are just deflecting the blast. So, but what do you? Yes. Points. Um, but yes. no, Qui Gon and Obi Wan's lightsaber introduction. Uh, it was very different than compared uh, compared to what was in the original trilogy, and that's one thing I really love about it because, for one thing, we've never seen two lightsabers lit up at the same time on screen. Until that point. Have you guys realized that? Good point. Well, Besides no, never mind, never mind, never mind, never mind. Duels. I just made a bad, I made a bad, because <laughs> a duel. Um, so <laughs> let me just rewind that. Okay. Uh, <laughs> you had, you'd never seen a blue and a green, though, like that. That's true. seen two uh, good guys fighting. Light side. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that was cool to see that different... It was just a different visual that was very cool to me. Well, and it was those lightsabers igniting the gas. Yes, just really, really kind of a cool reveal. They kind of played to that uh, the fact that they are in a gaseous area. You know what I mean? Like they mm-hmm. don't, they didn't. You know, it actually lit up the room, which is kind of interesting because I think it was the first time they had the technology to do anything like that. You know what I mean? And yeah. Like, it, because if I'm not mistaken, all the other lightsabers were kind of just painted on the film, right? Right. Back back yep. in the eighties, that's right. Yeah, so so yeah. to have it actually be a living effect is very interesting, right? Uh, yeah, and it felt it made the world feel more lived in too. That's that's one of the best things about this movie is it the original trilogy the world felt big, but mm-hmm. Phantom Menace opened it even more. Yeah, and it just it brought up so much. It just brought the realism to a, a different level. Totally. It it also introduced a completely different side of the galaxy right because mm-hmm. we had seen only the lived in side of the galaxy in the first three films in the 70s and 80s and this introduced us to almost that buck rogers sort yeah. of flash gordon looking universe where everything was kind of clean and futuristic and art deco and kind of <laughs> shiny and art deco yeah and so yeah uh, that that was a great introduction as well even on that even on that ship just the way you know that that room is just set up in such a way that the meeting so room sleek. is it feels very sleek and very mm-hmm. you know this sort of uh 1930s sci-fi so 
It's awesome. And, and, and with that being said, you know, you see these, it, it's kind of funny because a lot of what we have, what I have written right now is, is like the parallels between this one and that one. And you see a much more triumphant, you know, galaxy in regards to like how grand and big everything is. And that might, that might attribute just to the special effects, but it also attributes to the state of mind the galaxy's in versus yep. what it's in, in the OG trilogy. Everything's super gritty and it's very dark and it's, it's kind of, it's actually kind of a nice change of pace. If I'm going to be honest with you. Um, totally. But, because I'd imagine for some people it might have you know scared them back, but a lot of the same elements are still there. Like there's one thing I, I have men- mentioned here. It's like you, you see where, Obi-Wan kind of learns his tricks from, you know, versus what he does in the original trilogy. Like Qui-Gon, he, he like always does his wave his hand and he, and he tricks boss Nass completely into giving them the ship into giving <laughs> them Jar Jar into mm-hmm. giving them exactly what they want when they get there. And it's like, you can kind of see where Obi-Wan did the same exact thing to the stormtrooper in the, you know, in a new hope. It's kind of cool to see how George writes this in, you know? And, like, the Force is, is much different in this than it was before. Much different. They kind of give it a scientific, you know, backdrop. But we'll get into that later. We'll get into that later. Yeah, no, but, I, I, the thing that I, I also loved about the opening and throughout the entire film was, and again, when I've gone back and watched it and become really a big fan of this film, is I think one of the reasons I've come to love this movie is because of Qui-Gon. Because to me, Qui-Gon is what a Jedi should be. Right? Yes, it's exactly he's, what I wrote down he, in my notes. Yeah, he's, he's the... The perfect, in per, uh, uh, the perfect encapsulation of what I th- always thought a Jedi would be. Very stoic, but very powerful. Very um, in, in command, but very calm. And, uh, uh, and extremely talented with, his, with the lightsaber. And with his, yes. he, knows, he knows which force skill to pull on and all those things. So um, to me, he is the, the ultimate Jedi. And I, I, I miss him in all nine movies. Yeah. Yes. Uh, assuming that, he's not in nine. That's what I, exactly. I'm really, man. I if I'm really holding out hope for a Qui Gon appearance, but he's uh, in canon now. He he has appeared to Obi Wan Kenobi. You guys, I'm, yep. you know, within uh, uh, what is it? Uh, uh, a master and apprentice in a certain point of view. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yep. So I'm. I don't know. I feel like we're. Hey, man! All bets are off after that trailer in nine. So. Yeah, (laughs) maybe what might be the ghost and all that. So, dude, yeah, I I agree, Pete. You know, uh, Qui Gon. The way I put it the other night was, Qui Gon is like the most Jedi to the most Jedi Jedi to ever Jedi. (laughs) He's just he's the Jediest ever. He is. He's the he's the real deal. (laughs) That that is he is a hundred percent what we all thought they would be and what they should be and. He was pretty much the only one of the Jedi of that time to to really be like that. If you think about it, the other ones are kind of stoic and cool, but they uh, they're the ones that are falling for the tricks and fall for right. the 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 cloudiness of the dark side. He kind of sees through that. Yep. Yeah, and and you bring up a good point. You you notice that Qui Gon kind of kind of doesn't go against the order, but he kind of just knows how to work it and like. His force powers, especially, there's one part where they're in the bongo and he calms down Jar Jar. And I don't think we've really seen that since. Like, he, yeah. Jar Jar's losing. He's like, what you said, me thinking we're going to be in trouble. And then, like, the, the lights come on and he's screaming, oh, no, oh, no. And all Qui-Gon does is just 
Put this in, kind of clean on, kind of not clean on, kind of a, a spot, Vulcan. whatever. Yeah. Vulcan, yeah, yeah. <laughs> kind of just calms him down, and Jar Jar's eyes like go inward, and he's like, oh, you know, it's <laughs> like, it's it's kind of cool. I mean, if I was a Jedi and I saw someone else having a panic attack, I'd be like, all right, let's chill you out a little bit, you Relax. know. <laughs> and well, it really makes you think. It really makes you think what else he could have done, you know. And right. you got a good point there, man. It's it's he's the most Jedi of Jedi, and he. Kind of just did it what he wanted to do, and he has no regard for the the council. They're like, we're, you know, at one point Obi Wan's like, well, they're not going to let you be on the council if you're going to be like this. And he's like, well, you know, yeah. that's okay. You don't, you don't have to be on the council. Qui Gon didn't serve the Jedi Council. He served the light side. That's all. Yeah. He and good point. I really respect about him. Uh, okay. Well, no, no, I, I respect that hundred percent. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off, but oh no, I actually um, didn't have anywhere else to go to. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's one thing I want to parallel with, too, if you think about it. We've got Qui-Gon, who's so, you know, powerful and almost kind of mystical in the Force. Then you've got someone like Darth Sidious is introduced into this story. And I don't know if you were like this, Pete, because I was not – I was way too young to be aware of it. But I remember reading some, some, uh, I guess, some messaging boards that were from the 90s. And, <laughs> and a big speculation was that, is this Darth Sidious Palpatine? You know, and that's a, <laughs> I mean, I don't know if, if you ever had a, a, if you ever questioned it or anything, I don't know if it was very obvious to you, but like, it's interesting to see now because you see this character that's undermining everything the Jedi is doing and he's doing it in such a suave way that the Jedi yep. are convinced that, you know, it's something else. No, I can't, you know, they're not even, they're not even thinking about Palpatine and he's been around the whole entire prequel trilogy. But, um, what do you think of that, man? Yeah. Yeah, so yeah, it's it's funny that you say that because I I never once for a second thought he was anybody other than Palpatine simply because ah. we knew it was Ian, well we knew it was Ian McDiarmid, and we knew that Ian McDiarmid was uh, the Emperor. We didn't have a name yes. in the the other three movies or the first three movies. But what I love about it was I so I was I like you guys I've been watching uh, all these movies in preparation for Episode Nine, but I've been watching it with my ten uh, year old daughter. And she, until, uh, spoiler alert, Revenge of the Sith, when uh, he is revealed, <laughs> that that was the big reveal for my daughter. Because wow. a, a, from, a, from a pop culture standpoint, everybody knows that Darth Vader is Luke's father. Of course. So that's, that's gone for her. However, in that scene, it, I know this isn't the Revenge of the Sith conversation, but in the scene when he gives it up in, the, uh, in his office... My, my daughter turns me. She goes. I knew there was something not right about that guy. So she <laughs> wow. she got it. So I think it's a it's a really cool thing. But more directly to to what you're saying. So when I started really studying this film uh, for my book, um, to me it became very clear that this movie is. I think a lot of people go into it thinking it's Anakin's movie. And mm -mm. I don't believe it is. This no. this is Pal this is Palpatine's movie. This is about. This, which is why I am so glad to see him coming back in episode nine in whatever form that takes, because this is really it's sure it's Anakin's story. Sure. You know, it's this the Skywalker saga. But this has all been set up by Palpatine from from step Dang. one. All and, the way. And frankly, I have my own sort of personal theory that it might not have been Palpatine. It may have been Plagueis or something else, which is why when you said before, uh, uh, Jerry, that you know this, uh, um, it's it's the beginning of the uh, it's the beginning of the story with that starts with Palpatine. I really don't know. Yes, I know that that's all we know, 
Mm-hmm. But yes. I don't know. There's su- it's the be- it started with something that influenced Sidious to become Sidious. Now whether okay. it's whether it's truly Sidious or something else, we don't know yet, right? Great point because I have right here because the first question that went into my head because I I never really watched this from an analytical point of view. But you got to think, how did the Trade Federation even get involved with Sidious? Like, how did how was anyone even aware of this character or this this power or this person? Did they know he was a Sith? Did they know right. that he had any influence? Because at this point, he's just a senator from Naboo, which is also something I find very interesting because no one really thinks about this. What a better way to start your subtle invasion of the galaxy than starting with your own planet. Like, oh, yeah. it's it, it totally I mean, takes goes, away any suspicion. Yeah, because right. I mean, like to me, it, it he knows the infrastructure. He knows the easiest way to invade it. He knows the Gungans won't get involved. So he thinks to himself, well, how about this? I will play this card over here. And I know that no one's going to stop me, which is where it gets interesting because Padme comes up and she starts being the one to kind of like go against him and then that's another that's another way he has to handle it and then we see that these jedi get more involved and he thought they were killed and it, it yeah. it's it's weird because every time palpatine's plan gets foiled he's always on top and and i'm sure we'll dive deeper into that implication and, and what that means for the overall story like you just said i mean if 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 any movie might give credence to episode nine, it might be seven and eight, but it definitely might be episode one too. Well, I, I went so I went so far in in my you know my fan fiction fictionalization of it to go so far as to say that Palpatine introduced the taxation of the tra- trade routes. Mm. So in my wow. mind, he's he's been doing this for from the first moment he's had the chance, right? And so whether that's obviously not canon, that just came from my head. But I, what the reason the, I bring it up is because it's right in line with what you're saying is he's he's been setting up every single step along the way, and. And when he needs to step in as Sidious, he does that. When he needs to step in as yep. Palpatine, he does that. And so he's he's basically instead of the Phantom Menace, they could have called this Palpatine plays the galaxy. Yeah, that's exactly. Exactly what he did. Exactly. I mean, you bring up a good point because I, I had noticed as well was this plan, this initial plan to take over, supposed to happen a lot sooner or later? Because I mean, we obviously know that there's ten years between Attack of the Cl- I'm sorry, Phantom Menace and Attack of the Clones. You know, mm-hmm. was it? Was it supposed to be planet by planet? And then he thought, well, maybe having a war would be better. I just think it's interesting to to analyze that character's perspective. And maybe his plan was for it to fail initially. That's where that's where I just would love to have just a solid Palpatine book. Just like right. for him just to explain the whole thing. But um but yeah, no, it's it's interesting because the more we get through this movie, the more things are kind of set up. And that's one section I want to get into later, guys. It's like the small things that were obviously Mentioned, and then the big story threads that were kind of left off with this movie, leading into Attack of the Clones, and leading into things that actually still haven't been answered yet. But um, okay. no, one thing I want to bring in is when one of the first Skywalkers we get introduced to, and I know she's not a Skywalker at this point in the story, but Padme comes in, and if if I might be bold at saying this, but I see so much Padme and Leia parallels, it is insane. Like right, like. Like Padme is a much more stoic and royal, where Leia is a little bit more rebellious, and she's a little, she's a little bit stronger at leading it. But you can see all those traits and personalities, even though it might not have, it might have been a learned thing. She definitely inherited from her mom that bold, 
sense of, of ruling and how, and how, you know, she's going to get what she wants regardless. And I mean, Padme at no point backed down, which I thought was interesting for being such a royal and, you know, what, well, 14 was, year old girl reading, leading a planet. I mean, that's insane. Yeah. It, it's the, the whole thing with Padme is, I mean, it is like you're saying with, with, uh, Leia, she's this fair and just ruler who wants to, she wants to be, uh, I'm trying to think. Of, she, she wants to be uh, fair to everyone. She wants to be yeah. make sure everyone is taken care of, and that she she doesn't. She's not too full of herself, but she will get done what she wants to get done if no one else is going to do it. Because I mean, uh, the Skywalker women, those Padme. I guess maybe it's a neighbory trait, you know. Uh, yeah, <laughs> that's they will get done what they need to get done, and no one will stand in their way because they know they have the power to do it. Yeah, they were both they were both the rebel that the galaxy needed at the time exactly. that they were had the Absolutely. opportunity to do it. Great point. No, I, I completely agree. It's weird, like when you when you follow the story at a in a in a different perspective. And I know I keep saying that, but I've always kind of watched this movie just to watch this movie. I never watched this movie like like you said you had said you saw it, Pete. You know, you watched it from mm-hmm. a very analytical like where where does the story really go kind of way. And this is I've I've never watched it from that perspective and like. There's some other subtle things once we once we leave Naboo and we get introduced to R2-D2 and, like, how significant he is as a character from the start of the saga. I mean, he, he really doesn't do much in The Phantom Menace besides save the ship, but that's really big implications, and that lets, that's what leads them to Anakin in the end. So it's – I don't know. It's 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 cool to, to see our introduction of R2. I don't yeah. know if uh, – I don't know if y'all liked it when it happened, but I, I guess I'd kind of oh. just always – I was, accepted it. Yeah, I was geeking out, man, the whole time. Like, I was like, it's R2, it's R2. And I love the whole, like, you know, the shoot they go into. Yeah. Like Santa Claus stuff. Yes. Like, up into the... I just thought <laughs> that was so neat. Because you never th- think about that for big, like, ships like that, like uh, uh, cruisers or whatever. You, you, We'd only ever seen them in X-Wings and stuff, but it was so cool to see them wing, like, trying to fix things. And then, of course, R2 is the only one to survive. You know, God rest the souls of those other ones. But uh, uh, They got destroyed. <laughs> oh, they, they got, I mean, like, yeah, and it was almost played as comical, which is funny. But, um, <laughs> no, uh, just from the beginning, R2 saving everybody's bacon. It's like, you know, I, you know, Mark Ellis is always saying that R2-D2 is the unsung hero of the entire trilogy, so, or the entire saga. Uh, but... I don't just from the the get go, even though he's not doing anything, R2 is like the he's almost like the glue that makes sure the plan gets Yes. Taken to fruition, you know? Exactly. It, well it's interesting they, what they did in that scene as well was they set up something. So uh when I spoke to James Bainey from the resistance broadcast and because through the miracle of spy, uh, Skype, I can see uh, you're wearing best. a resistance shirt. That's awesome. But he was, uh, he was on the show on my show when we were talking about, you know, when I asked people if they like R2 or C3PO more and, and his point about R2 was interesting. And in rewatching the Phantom Menace in preparation for our conversation, I kept it in mind where he said, you know, is R2 really brave or is he just a machine that's been programmed to be that way. But what they oh. set up when, when wow. Panaka brings him before Padme or the Padme handmaiden and says, this is one extremely well put together. The first of all, the fact that they are honoring and thanking a droid for saving their life is true is, is interesting. And it raises the question. And then the connection, of course, even to, to solo about what, what is it with droids? What makes them, are they sentient and, and, and what do they do? And, and what I think it's important in this film, um, 
Scotty, because it sets up it sets up just that concept of yeah. him being a savior, being a hero, uh, an unlikely, untraditional hero, but exactly. a hero to be sure. And and the fact that he is there, and yes, he's missing from the the sequels a bit, but in in all six movies of the original and the prequels, he's he plays a major role in saving at least one or all of our heroes. Very present, and and you you bring up a good point because it helps me really kind of accept the fact that he might be our storyteller. <laughs> I mean, mm-hmm. like that, mm-hmm. that's always been the big thing that, that if anything, R2 is just taking all this in and not saying anything. And like, it's even, it will, funny enough, it's canon that that happened. And, um, and from a certain point of view, that little Jawa, I think his name was not Ott. Uh, I can't remember his I'm name. I'm trying right to remember now. the Jot. name too. I can't. Jot. It's Jot. definitely Jot. Yes. Yes. He mm-hmm. takes R2's memory bank and he watches it on like a hollow projector and like he literally recalls this exact moment from the Phantom Menace. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, that is just – could you imagine if that's what they end up maybe bringing in the Rise of Skywalker? I don't know. Or if it's ever like really broken down at some point. It's just a – it would be a great way to bring him in. And if he's being thanked by Queen Amidala who he then sees become – you know. Anakin's wife and he meet, he's like the first to meet Anakin in the in Watto's place. It's just I don't know. It's it's very interesting because those he could be our storyteller, you know, if they ever were to do that. If they yep. were to well, ever I, take it that I route. Mean, yeah, there was the um, I don't know if it's rumor or concept or something George actually said that the at one point it, the droids were supposed to act like uh, I think it's uh, two characters in a Kurosawa film who who are off to the side, almost the comic relief, but the ones that are telling the story. And yeah. there was always that that thought that these movies were told from their point of view, which is, I think, what makes it so um, uh, obvious that C-3PO and R2-D2 aren't as strongly portrayed in 7, 8, uh, 7 yeah. and 8 and, and not as present as uh, perhaps we would expect them to be. Great point. And with that, it, it kind of leads us to our next place, which is the return of a of a planet we've seen before and it's Tatooine, you know? And, and one thing I want to say about Tatooine, they arrive and it's, that ship looks gorgeous on that planet. That silver. And that, <laughs> yeah. I mean, that is like one of the most beautiful shots in all the movies, just when it lands. And, you know, we Lens see that. Lens before Padme, JJ. Too, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> that, <laughs> that Padme gets off the ship with Art 2. Well, I guess it's a handmaiden Padme. They don't know she's the queen yet. But Padme gets to the ship with Art 2 and Jar Jar and Qui-Gon, and they go on that little journey into Mos Espa. But there's one thing that Qui-Gon mentions, and I thought this was only a sequel trilogy word, but he mentions the word scavengers. And I don't think it's mentioned at all until 7. And he's walking through. He goes, mostly moisture mo- moisture farmers work here, um, whatever else he said, gamblers, whatever. And he says, and scavengers. And I'm like, dang. Like, mm-hmm. that could – what up? It's a word I never thought they would, you know, that wasn't in anything other than episode seven, but it's it's an episode one. So I don't know if that means anything. I don't know if JJ got inspired from that. I have no idea, but it's just like that you you know what a scavenger is now, you know? Not right. not Sticks when you first more. saw the Phantom Menace. Yeah, now you know, you know, and especially with the most recent trailer, they got Ray jumping from, you know, thing to thing on the you know, broken Death Star. It's like it's yeah, she's a scavenger at heart, and she did that for a long time. So yep. I, I think it's a cool word that they threw in there. But um, then we go into the one of the biggest scenes is whenever Qui-Gon and Anakin first meet. You know, I think that's, I think that's huge. You know, are you an angel? 
And that kind of starts <laughs> off that that weird thread of love. But we'll get into that maybe in the next <laughs> next discussion. <laughs> Force toes. But no, uh, Jerry, anything you want to bring up about that first introduction back to Tatooine? Anything in particular? Nothing really in particular except just it, it was – I think it was a really good – it was necessary for them to go back to Tatooine in this one because it, it felt it, – you get there and you felt like you were at home because yes. no, we're in a different city. We're not in uh, Mos Eisley. We're in Mos Espa. It still uh, felt very familiar, very warm, but yet we were seeing new visuals there too. So that yeah, that was it was cool. It's so it's still it made you feel at home, but it's familiar. Pushed things uh, forward story wise and yeah, world in world building. So, but yeah, that, not much besides that though. Let's get on. No, hmm. no. Well, one thing I thought was interesting. I never thought about it. What if Obi Wan had met Anakin first? Would he feel as obligated or as strongly connected to Anakin as Qui Gon was? You know, it's it's. It's weird to think. It might be a little bit backwards thinking, but Qui-Gon, I know he didn't desire to find someone new and train him, but when he met Anakin, it was like, there's something about him. Like, I don't know what it is, but there's something very peculiar about him. And the fact I, that I, Anakin was so young, nine, you know, and or 10, whatever age he was. I feel like if Obi-Wan had been him first, the story would have ended right there because... Yeah. Uh, I mean, you'll remember Obi-Wan said, why do I feel like we're taking on another pathetic life form? Yeah. And, Dang, good point. Uh, you know, he he didn't want to have anything to do with Jar Jar and and uh, Qui-Gon believed there was a reason for him to come along. Mm-hmm. Uh, he didn't want to have anything really to do with Anakin. It felt like just a, uh, it made no sense to him. And, and again, and I guess this is what makes Qui-Gon the Jediist of them all. <laughs> because yeah. Because yeah. he sensed it where, where I don't know that Obi-Wan would have. Well, great you, point. you see such a great arc with Obi-Wan because you see him here and he's like, oh, I'm annoyed by Jar Jar. Why are we taking this this guy with us? Uh, yep. Anakin, he's like, all right, there's this annoying kid here now. Like, oh, now I've got to train him. And I'm sure Anakin yep. at the beginning. But then you, when we meet him back, it, not to go for but when you get back into uh, A New Hope and you see him and he's talking with Chewie's smugglers and he's like, you know what, hey, we're going to go trust this smuggler and I know how to, you know, all these people have value and I can uh, uh, talk to these people and uh, uh, work things out. with. Um, so we've got him here. He's uh, episode one. We've got him, uh, you know, annoyed by Jar Jar. And, you know, why are we taking this kid on? And by the time we meet him in A New Hope. He's learned that, you know... Way more like Qui-Gon. He's made way more quiet, <laughs> yes. He's finally become his master. He's learned that that not every life form has something to to offer uh, uh, to, your, to your journey. You know, you don't have to... You don't need to go around just being annoyed by everything, but, you know... Uh, yeah, he's become more of a, of a Jedi. He's being more Jedi. <laughs> right. Exactly. And, and there's one thing I, I always thought was interesting about, you know, that that Obi-Wan, you know, especially in this movie, he's kind of just – he's a little naive. And that's okay because that's the introduction to this character. I mean, Obi-Wan had to start from somewhere. But by the time Attack of the Clones comes around, he's, he's pretty straight-laced. He's not like Qui-Gon. You know, he's not like him all the way. But by the time we see him in A New Hope, he's a lot more like Qui-Gon. He's a yep. model, he's just a lot more like, look, we got it. If you're going to help me, you know, get this plan to this chick, you have to come with me. You know, he's like, just, I, you know, 
He's a little bit more um, almost manipulative in a weird way. But we'll get into that when we get to New Hope. Right. Um, one thing I want to bring up is how similar young Anakin, Luke, and Ray are in the sense of like just their personalities. Like you, you've got Anakin being such a kind, such a kind kid. You know, Jar Jar gets gets attacked by Sebulba. He stops him, and he's building a droid from his mom. And he's just trying to win money for Qui Gon. He hasn't. He he wants nothing out of it. He's a great kid. And when you think about how different that is from Luke, Luke is very selfish. You know, I just want to do this. I just want to do that. I mean, he obviously he complains about every little every little thing. And then we get Ray, who at the same exact time is very similar to those two. She's just kind of a loner. And it's it's very cool to see how different each hero, I guess you could say, is based on the saga. They might have similar backstories, all come from a sandy place. But like in mm-hmm. regards to how they are as characters, very different characters, very different uh Motives, except for the fact that they all want to get off this planet. They all they don't want to be mm-hmm. on this place anymore. They all have a drive. Like Anakin, obviously, is like, yeah, you know, I'm going to be the best starfighter in the galaxy. I want to see every planet. You know, do all these stars have a planet? And like, yeah, yeah, most of them do. And like Luke complaining how he wants to get off this rock, and then we got Ray, who same exact thing is looking at those ships taking off and just reflecting on it. It's just. You, it's so cool to see what this means for the greater story, you know. And but what's interesting, I think, what's the biggest difference, or an interesting difference, is that when given the chance to leave, Anakin took it. Like, yeah, sh- sure, he was he was a little bit upset that he was leaving his mother, and I know that that becomes a bigger, more important part. But he. He did it. Now, of course, he was nine years old. I look. I see. I dropped my seven year off, seven year old off at a play date, and he runs and like it's not like I was like I was never there. Whereas my ten my ten year old will be like, "Are you sure you're going to be here on time?" and all these things. So there's a different mindset the younger the character is. But you ha- so you have Anakin who is looking to who is who is happy to go off and become a Jedi, but he was he would he was going to miss his mother, Luke was just a brat and wanted to leave, right? And, <laughs> exactly. And, and, and if we break it down again, this isn't the New Hope breakdown, but if we break it down, he, his aunt and uncle died, and he was like, all right, here's my chance to go be a hero. And that exactly. sounds ugly, but it's it's kind of what it is. And and Ray, well, she leaves Jakku, and she's immediately worried that she's missing something if she doesn't go back. Weird? So so it's it's three different ways to handle the same exact sort of thing. Exactly. And and you make you make a good point because you see that Anakin, the only animosity he has at one point is is when he's like right when he's walking away. He's like, I don't know if yeah. I can do it. And and we'll get into that later about Shmi and how interesting that character is. But one thing I wanna I wanna say about Anakin's just subtleties as a person, he obviously cares deeply for his mom. He's the first He's the only Skywalker that knows his mother besides Ben Solo. But he's the only Skywalker that has a relationship and loves his mom. And he even makes C-3PO for her. And, and that's where it gets interesting to me because at such a young age, he has this ability to build droids and, and, and be a pod racer and all this. It's right. it's really kind of cool. But, I mean, if you were a nine-year-old kid, wouldn't that be your interest too? I mean, it's mm-hmm. like it, – it's, it's odd because there's a, there's a thing – to me that I have written down, like, not only now, now that we think about it, especially with the most recent trailer for The Rise of Skywalker, is C-3PO another storyteller in this overarching thing. And in The Return of the Jedi, he definitely does tell stories. But this in particular, it's like, 
are we going to see this again? Is it will this definitely come back? Being that three PO is made by Anakin, is that maybe why they're wiping his memory? I mean, I don't know. Um, it really feels with that trailer, especially that that little bit that we got, and I, it's uh, it's probably like edited in in a very deceptive way, <laughs> but yeah, right. it it does feel very much everything that we've seen with the droid programmer and stuff, and and. Uh, Jason Ward making Star Wars talking about how there's a MacGuffin that's going to surprise everybody and yeah kind of what that is and all that I I I, I think it could come back into play and it, it I mean why wouldn't you it it would just tie things together so beautifully kind of have him get his memories back too yes of everything and to actually be like the R two D two but an R two who likes to blab so yeah right. uh, well it would, there's, it there's, would be very interesting. There's two pieces within other movies that make uh, the connection, and one of them to me is uh, in at the end of Re- Revenge of the Sith, they make a point of saying, have this droid's memory wiped. Right. right? Mm-hmm. So they, they make a mention of that. And then in A New Hope, 3PO says, uh, I'm you know, not anything of anything, you know, importance anyway. I'm not very good at telling stories. Um, so he he references the fact that he is a storyteller. Yes. Maybe maybe not a good one. And then, of course, in Return of the Jedi, we see him telling stories exactly. that have the entire Ewok village wrapped in attention. So um, it's in there. And I think that there is something to that. And, and, and Scotty, you, you had made some points about about just the the role that he plays, and um, you know, he does. He says, "Thank the Maker." Yes. At one at one point in a New Hope, and we <laughs> now know the Maker is Anakin Skywalker. Anakin, which is crazy, <laughs> which is so cool, and and it's. I'm sure a lot of people, and I wasn't old enough to understand it or be around for it, but I'm sure a lot of people did like that. But for me, yep. and 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 seeing it, it almost makes sense because there's this. I mean, you never see them interact in the OG trilogy. What what a better way for, you know, to have some parallel like, you know, Anakin built this thing that ends yep. up being such an influential part of this entire saga is just so cool. And it, I like I like to see these characters meet. And, of course, the second thing that R2 says to, to um, 3PO, it's like, man, you're naked or something. He's like, yeah. Yeah. you know, my parts my, are showing. <laughs> my parts are showing. You know, it's great. And um, you know this kind of this kind of kind of a harsh transition, but we get to go to the pod race scene. We see that you know three PO holds the flag up and he's walking through, and how important that whole interaction is with like you know Anakin and and Sebulba and then Watto and Qui Gon, and how Qui Gon kind of manipulates the Force to get Shmi a part of. The, I'm not Shmi to get Anakin to be a part of the deal. You know, it's yep. it's that's. What a better way to use it. And it might not be the most moral way, but he's playing to Watto's, I guess you can say, uh, character flaws, you know? Well, and it's, yep. it's hard gonna... to use the, the moral way to get uh, to free a slave, right? You know, yeah. Mm-hmm. Almost like, you know, is there a moral way to do that? Is, is it, it's not very moral for them to have that either. So, yeah, it's just, he, again, it's, it's Qui-Gon doing what the light side calls him to do and not exactly what society or whatever says. He's like, you know what? This is right. Whatever the laws on Tatooine are. Uh, yes. He shouldn't have this kid. And, and for one thing, I want to take him back with me. So, <laughs> well, right. I, I, I know this is kind of jumping the gun too, but like 
Shmi's like, I don't want him to do this, but if it's going to help you get your part, we're going to do it. You see how sacrificial these two characters are. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, yeah. Anakin never finished a race. Qui-Gon has all this betting on him, and I mean, if it would have been realistic, honestly, if the Force maybe not had played into it, we probably would have seen Anakin lose, and there would have been in much more trouble then. But it's cool to see how how maybe the Force has a greater influence over all of this, you know? Maybe the force, the force did allow Anakin to win, and we see how, you know, how that just that pod race win is kind of the turning point for the whole thing. Because it's at that point you're kind of like waiting to see where this story is going to go, and it and it does take a really good turn, you know. And then we so have a. I, I, I don't I don't disagree with that at all. I I do think though um, it was. It, that was one of the things that I had an issue with with the movie, and I I, I know we're not critiquing it, but I think no, it's an no, important. It it's it's a perspective that I think was missed, and in turn has become more interesting. And that is, I feel like if I was directing, and thankfully I wasn't, um, <laughs> I would I would have had the force play more of a part in the pod race, a more obvious part. Like he uses ah. the force without without. Now that being said. Um, Without doing that, I think it it allows us as the audience to make that inference ourselves, which I think is the one thing. If George did nothing else as a master filmmaker in the four movies he directed, um, it was to nicely drop things that allow the audience to go afterwards and have a conversation about. And so um, I would have used it there. I also would have used it uh, at the end in the the space battle, but I'm sure we'll get Mm. to that. But I, I think that... So where I'm going with that is, and, and connecting it to what you're saying, is that, yeah, the Force definitely is this sort of, you know, that that thing that we all feel every every now and then where we're like, boy, yeah. this happened for a reason. Something doesn't make sense, and then, you know, you leave the house five minutes late for work, and if you had left on time, you would have been in that car wreck, or exactly. you know, these sort of things that, that go on. So I think that... I think it did have a, a role and maybe George was just, maybe George is a better filmmaker uh, than we give him credit for and didn't hit us over the head with us with it and let it, let it sort of make sense on its own. Beautiful point. And well, there's one thing that I think is the most interesting and Star Wars, the word dreams never really comes up that often. And mm-hmm. at one point, Anakin mentions when he's eating dinner, he's always had a dream to be a Jedi. He wants mm-hmm. to go back and, and free all the slaves on Tatooine. But like, that that idea of dreams, that's the only time he kind of mentions, like, yeah, I, I dreamed I'd be a Jedi, which might be some sort of, you know, foresight that he will be a Jedi. But, like, mm-hmm. the only time dreams are ever mentioned again is the sequel trilogy. When he bring, when Ray's like, yeah, you know, when, when, when Kylo Ren's tapping into her mind, she's like, yeah, she, she sees this island, you know. And, mm-hmm. and oh, I Love see that. it. Yeah, the island. You know, it's like, it's cool to know that, that, these dreams, quote unquote, might be foresight, and and definitely I'm, a, I'm for Anakin to race, being the only human to race, he's got to have foresight to do it. You know, he's got to have this ability right. to predict things before they happen, and I think that's the, I think Shmi even says that. You know, and and I just love that Qui Gon, and I know Jerry wanted to bring this up, that Qui Gon and Shmi have a weird connection, kind of. Yeah, if you think they, about it. Man, you know, talking about Qui-Gon being the most Jedi to ever Jedi, but at the same time, you know, the Jedi have some rigid rules about, yes, uh, uh, you know, PDA and all that. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, I don't know. I, I just, and that's something my, my mom watching with her whenever I was a kid, like we got it on VHS. And I mean, I remember watching with my parents and my mom going like, I just really feel like they're going to end up together. 
if just wow. like they are, you know, and then, I mean, of course they, you know, unfortunately we lose Qui-Gon, uh, at least. Yes. But uh, it, there's, it's just, it makes you wonder what was going on between them because there are some moments uh, on Tatooine with them talking where it's, it's very tender. It is. And, I, and is. Qui-Gon, Qui-Gon is, you know, he's a Jedi. And like we said, he's very, he knows how to talk to people and stuff. You know, he's very, uh, um, was it, he's very empathetic and all. He is. But uh, I don't know. They're just always, and, and watching it again and thinking about that, I was like, you know, there really does seem, hey, call me, call me crazy. But it's, you know, it's 2019. We're in the shipping culture. So, you know, I, I ship <laughs> and, and Shmi. <laughs> That's great. No, I mean Shmigan. Shmigan. Imagine if, imagine if was <laughs> That's the, amazing. The product. What if Ray was the product of Shmi and Qui Gon? Oh my. Oh, okay. Oh. Now we're getting crazy. No. Okay. Well, but, but what do you guys say? Am I am I off base or or do you think like there was like it it really has no bearing to the story unless something comes of it. I mean, next chapter. But it's just I don't know. It just I I it always seemed like it was there to me. It would be, it would be insane to think that, no, no, I'm sorry, it wouldn't, it wouldn't be insane. I said that wrong. To think that there might have been some sort of interest there because we know Obi Wan and Satine and and Obi Wan even says like if in the Clone Wars if if I had the choice to go back again I would choose you over the Jedi Order. Well, he said and if you would have said the word. Yeah, that was it. You know, it's like, which is a big it's, statement, and what it proves, you know, it honestly it has no bearing to the story except for uh, that it, it proves these are human characters. Exactly, right. and so that yeah. it, it it just makes them more, it makes Qui Gon more of a even though he is like this big Jedi on a pedestal that we kind of look to as the this is what a Jedi is. Uh, it still makes us go, no, you know, okay, that guy he was a guy, you know, he yeah he, he had feelings, he was a human being, so. Um, and not, not really because this is all fake and in space. <laughs> well, one thing I think it needs to be stated was that like Quagon was very much aware of the current situation. He literally even says to Shmi, our meeting was not a coincidence. Coincidence, nothing happens by accident. Mm-hmm. And I think like that's so huge for the rest of storytelling and honestly the rest of fandom. A lot of people try to dig way too deep about who Ray is and where she comes from, but like I mean, regardless, it's it's it there that character was not a coincidence. There's there is a bigger purpose to all this. It might not have you know. It might be simply because their ship ran out of you know the the hyperdrive was done. It might simply be that, but that coincidence of them meeting was was huge. You know. Well, may, what about this? Is a crazy thought. Maybe this is the first instance of. Uh, Darkness rises and light to meet it. Dude. So, mm. so perhaps there's a direct connection there that the force brought them there so that they could find this child or this yeah. this this very important piece of the puzzle. Great Absolutely. point. No, that well, like, that's hundred percent what I, I think that's what's going to be revealed with this. I think that's what this new trilogy is trying to say. There's yes. going to be a chosen one. There's always going to be someone who has to stand up against the dark. Mm-hmm. It, it, I, I agree hundred percent, Pete. I think you have that's you're onto something there for sure. That is beautifully said because I have something written here that, that I always thought about had Palpatine ever foreseen Anakin at any point, you mm-hmm. know, in the past 
canon, quote-unquote, that we don't or we are not aware of? Did he foresee Anakin? Did he knew from the beginning? Did he even create Anakin? Which is, I hope, I hope to God it's touched upon in The Rise of Skywalker. Because they had that one comic where Vader's walking through that portal and he sees... Shmi standing there, and then a you know Palpatine standing behind Shmi, and there's this it's like demon the most, thing in the most creepy selfie ever, where he's like pointing. <laughs> yes, yeah, I you did know? this. Maybe it's creepy, <laughs> but but think about it. What what a better way to like just show his influence over the whole freaking. He was the creator of the Skywalkers, and like maybe the rise of Skywalker implies that. They're going to rise above Palpatine finally. It's just like there's just so much interesting with just Anakin still that's still left unsaid after six entire movies around him. It's like in and of course Palpatine too. And uh, one thing I thought was very interesting and it kind of parallels A New Hope whenever um, Anakin's about to leave and you can tell he's kind of a little upset. He's like, I don't know if I can do this, Mom. Shmi says this exactly, and I think this is really, really profound. She says, let go. You can't stop the change any more than you can stop the suns from setting. So, yeah. like, look, think about Luke in A New Hope. You can't stop the change any more than the suns from setting. And then think about Luke's death, too. It's like, it's cool they mentioned the suns. They didn't say the sun. They said the suns. Right. And it's like, Tatooine is so influential of the Force, and I... I, I don't know if we'll see it in The Rise of Skywalker. We might not. It might be the last shot. I don't know. But to have, like, to have it be, you know, where both of our main heroes came from is very interesting. And Ray being from a similar place as well. And honestly, the cool part is, Anakin asks her, will I ever see you again? And, I, and I, she has an answer. She goes, be brave. Don't look back. Don't look back. And that's the first mm-hmm. time we hear the Force theme, like, really going off in this movie. So it kind mm. of parallels the much bigger journey. Well, and like she also reinforces it. too, doesn't she? The the what does your heart tell you? Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Which which colors the rest of his entire journey. Uh, yep. In becoming a Jedi and stuff, it's what causes him to go back to Tatooine uh, in Attack of the Clones, which again we'll get to. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Well, one thing I thought was cool is this whole thing on Tatooine honestly is like a break from the overall story and it's the only star wars movie that does it because most star wars movies have this sequence happening here and this Mm -hmm. sequence happening here you know a new hope doesn't have that but empire strikes back does return of the jedi does every other movie besides a new hope and this movie has a sequence and actually the force awakens too but this is strictly like we are just on tatooine all this Mm -hmm. is taking place just on tatooine and then we get back into the more, I guess, galactic situation once they leave, which is, which I thought was a very cool storytelling because it's, you kind of get more of the Padme stuff then. It goes, it focuses mm-hmm. on Anakin for a solid 45, 50 minutes. Then we kind of get back into what, what is the primary focus of this story, which I think is, it's kind of like watching a movie within a movie. I like it. Yep. It, that whole segment. Very Return of the Jedi. Movie. It is. It very yep. much There's is. There's your ring theory for you. There you go. <laughs> it rhymes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, it's it's cool because we then learn, like, we get back on the ship and, and C.O. Bebel's been trying to get in contact with them. And, you know, Obi-Wan's like, it's a trap. We cannot make contact with them. And then we kind of lead us back to Coruscant and we see more of Padme and we finally get introduced to Palpatine. Like, really get introduced. I know he was in the hologram at the beginning, but we finally, like, he walks up. He's in all blue. 
And then we get um, all his uh, feathered hair, good glory. Look at him. Yes, <laughs> so beautiful. <laughs> and y'all, Coruscant. I just I long for Coruscant still. The entire planet is one big up. city, as Captain city. Exposition said. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> Captain Exposition. <laughs> that was shout out. To, I'm trying to remember who uh, said. I think it might have been Rez on our, our live stream the other night. <laughs> that was so much fun. If you guys haven't checked it out, but go check that out if it's still available and just watch it for ten minutes. <laughs> This is Phantom Menace week for us, so. But anyway, yeah. Let's continue here. Well, well, we know that that Palpatine obviously is trying to play to both sides because he goes up to Padme and he's you know he's like he's like oh no you can't we can't go back we can't do this you know you can't this is not a good idea but you know you can always do a vote for no confidence since they're not helping <laughs> us out you know that's right but like. Either way, in that situation, he would have won. And Padme does what Leia would have done, and she goes against the Senate. And then she says, not only am I going to the Senate, but I'm going back and fighting. And you can tell there's maybe a half a second shot. Palpatine's face goes from being like, no, no, you must, to being like, you know, you you don't. Don't do it. And it's such a subtle change, and it shows that, like, this seed that he's planting – he does not want it to get messed up because he wants both sides to definitely, you know, still work out for him. So see, I yeah, I I always saw that even from the I remember it from the first time I saw it was I saw that almost like the um, the Willy Wonka. Oh no, please don't! I think yeah. it was. I, I felt like it was. He he was like, "Yep, that's what you got to do. I gotta I gotta pretend that I care, but I need you to go and go back to your planet." Yep. Right. Wow. Well, if not yeah. even that, I mean, you know. Ken Knapsack, I like the way he puts it too. It's like he almost, it's like he almost uh, gets like freaked out for a second. Like, wait, um, uh, yeah, no, yeah, okay, okay, that works, that works. Yeah, oh, go on. that'll work. We, you know, we can like, work with that. Yeah, it's like he goes, wait, no, okay, uh, all right, be careful. Well, yeah, and, and before he leaves, that's when he says, "A surprise to be sure, but a welcome one," because he's right. been elected, he's been nominated. And the cool thing that no one else has brought up, but I don't know if they got the name wrong. I don't know, but. At one point, it was either him, someone from oh, what's the other? Planet? Oh, it's uh, okay. Uh, it's your it's Bale and Tilly's of Alderaan and and well, they said team they, of Malastare. They, right. they said they said Bale and Tilly's, and I'm like, is that Organa yep. or am I? What am I well, wrong? Like, well, what is, here are my thoughts on it. Okay, either the man takes the woman's name, especially in the royal situation. Oh, that and maybe it's you know Bria Organa. Yes. Or they were just like, yeah, we got Bale and uh, Antilles are a couple of Alderanian names. So maybe it's like George and Smith, you know. <laughs> See, that's – but to me, that's like a small story thread that's been tied in. You know what I mean? Right. Like, like you kind of hear that and if you listen, you know, Bale Organa, you helped my father, Bale Organa, in the Clone War. Like it, it could be – Oh, my ears perk up immediately. Like as soon as I heard, you know, even when I was twelve, I was like, "Wait, wait, wait! I've heard those two names before." Exactly. <laughs> What's going on? And well, it's funny. Like Palpatine is just so subtle with it, and like even if he doesn't say it straightforward, like you said, his face just just like the thing in, in Willy Wonka. His face just says it all, <laughs> and you're yep. like. It's it's kind of a beautiful thing because that's where I think George just is genius. Well, like that is where it's freaking genius that he does this. It is brilliant. And yeah. remember, there's even that line. Doesn't he say before they leave when he tells who is going, who's been nominated to be you know, for election? He says, "I will be chancellor." 
Yes. The line of that is like, I will be chancellor and I will make things better, you know? Yes. But there's a little bit of that that sprinkling of, you know, a little bit of evil seasoning on top of yeah. it. Yeah. It's just delicious, so. Well, <laughs> at, this, at the same time all this is happening, we get the parallel of Anakin at the Jedi Council and we see mm-hmm. that Mace Windu's there, Yoda's there, um, Keanu Mundi, and like all these, the council. And it's kind of cool because they don't make it a big deal. You're just in it. You know, and they've been talking about the Jedi Council. I don't think the Council would agree with this. And like, you finally see it, and it's just twelve people sitting around a circle at the top of this <laughs> citadel. And it's cool. It, right. Don't get me wrong; it's amazing. But it's like you you think about the Jedi and what the Jedi were, and it and my image was probably just like that. You know, there was these people that were in command, and they they didn't really do much fighting. They were just warriors for for peace. And it's just you see how that kind of gets flipped. You know, how they go from being these stoic, intelligent, hyper-aware of the Force to then being slowly blinded, which I think is really kind of cool in the prequels. But uh, we we see that Yoda, one of the first, I think it might have been, was it Mace or Yoda that says, your thoughts dwell on your mother, afraid to it lose was Kia, think, It was Kiati Kiati Mundi. It was Kiati Mundi. Mm-hmm. Yep. Wow. It's, that it's, dude has more insight than we think. He has insight and he is really worried about the wounds. Yes. <laughs> well, my my favorite. He's also in my favorite meme, which is where uh, he says, "Your thoughts dwell on your mother," and Anakin says, "My thoughts dwell on your mother." Your mother. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that is a good one. Oh my god. Well, it kind of shows this too. Like, I, and I failed to mention this. I'm sorry. We, I got to get back a little bit further into it. Remember, Anakin <laughs> gives Padme that necklace, which is. Kind of a subtle Jabour moment, snippet. but a yes, but gives him a, but it's a much bigger de- deal in episode three, which we'll get into with Eric later. Um, mm. Now, with that being said, you know Qui Gon goes against the Jedi Council still, and 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 so funny the the Jedi that care too much are like, but you won't be on the council, you know, if you do that, Obi Wan <laughs> says that, like you're not going to be on the, and then Anakin is upset that he's not on the council, but it's not about the council and Qui Gon's obviously aware of that. It's about being in tune with the light side of the force. You know what I mean? It's not about the council. Right. That's that's all that's all BS. Well, he, it's not real. He's not in it for notoriety. He's not in it. Right. Exactly. Yeah. So that's all I gotta say about that, man. I mean just quite yeah. again, the most Jedi Jedi. He's and, Jediing to be a Jedi. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> there's there's one really cool thing where you know Yoda goes in this thing, and it's honestly, it's like probably the first Star Wars quote I remember. Like, I had the, I don't know if you remember this, the the communicator toy that came out when uh, oh, <laughs> the, uh, the Phantom Menace came out. Yeah, and you take the chips and put it on there. I had the Yoda one, and it did the fear leads to anger, anger leads to hate, hate leads to suffering. And, like, the coolest thing about it is there's been all this art that has come out, of course, since. And it's like, you know, a photo of of Anakin at one point and it's like fear leads to anger and then you see that anger leads to hate and then hate leads to suffering and you realize like that's the whole Skywalker saga like even with Ben Solo that's the whole Skywalker saga like you know he feared Luke turning against him and then Luke feared the same exact thing you know with with Ben and it like and look at everyone suffering in the end. Ben Solo is suffering, Luke suffering, Anakin suffering. All these Skywalker men, they're they're afraid. They 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 are powerful people, and they're afraid of their own power. So well, I think you, yep. you see that juxtaposition too between them and Palpatine. 
where yes. that suffering, fear leads to anger, anger leads to hate, hate leads to suffering. That suffering, if you wallow in it enough, will turn you into a monster. Yes. Yep. Yep. And I don't know if Palpatine fears anything or if he's angry about anything or if he's suffering from anything. I think that's where Palpatine's a different Sith. I think he's right. the least emotional Sith Sith that there has ever been. Like at no point is he like, you know, oh, what well, was me? Mm-mm. He just knows how to play his cards and, and, you know, do what he can do that'll outwit the next person. And I, I, you know, this might sound wrong, but I almost hope he actually dies. Like I hope in The Rise of Skywalker he is, he is not triumphant for once. Like I really do because I want to see how, how can someone really defeat him. Like so I, this is, yeah. So this is where I think, um, and it leads to episode nine speculation directly from both episode one and specifically what you were saying. In that every every apprentice he's had, he has relied on the ability to um, to manipulate them. Other, th- I mean, I still don't know a lot about the Count Dooku relationship, but yes. Maul. Maul, he he used him like a weapon. He mm-hmm. constantly he he you know he he was he was a, 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 a almost you know he he played on, on his fears and he yeah. was sadistic about it, right? So, and Anakin, he I mean we see that he he killed his wife. Yep. We don't know exactly how, but whether he did it or 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 Palpatine had something to do with it or whatever, but he played on that and he. You know, even just the way he speaks to Luke in Return of the Jedi, sort of like, oh, I'm afraid this death star, you know, he's kind of yeah. like, oh, you know, he's, and I feel like he won't be able to do that to Rey. He's nope. got, he's he's able to do that to Kylo, whether he's doing it now or not. Kylo is, Kylo is a firecracker of emotions. He's a mess, right? <laughs> it's true. And, and Rey is not, and that's why I think Rey will be able to defeat him because She's as as calm and collected as he is. And Good to your point. point about episode one, that hey, he was just he was calm and collected. And even when the plan wasn't going a hundred percent right, it was it fine because I got it figured out. This is going to work out. Yep, at least one side of the story is going to be working. One side of this this battle, I'm going to win it. It might right. not be the one I want to win, but I mean, his cards are really pretty kind of good in this movie is he's got a good hand but yep. one thing i think is really kind of cool is that there's a line that yoda says cloud of this boy's future is and of course mm-hmm. we know in the in the grand scheme of things that yoda was right it was clouded but it's it's weird because there's this this kind of feeling that i get at least that like does he know that for a fact, or is it just because he's an older kid getting trained? You know what I mean? Like, did, I, is, I, I think it's because clouded the Jedi's future was. They couldn't exactly. see anything at that time. Yep. Yeah, and they didn't. That, at that time, they really didn't want to tell anybody. You know, I mean, it, they no. beginning. You know, like, was, is it this? One? I can't remember. Is it is it Phantom Menace or is it Attack of the Clones? Where like, I think we should tell the Senate that our ability to use the Force is diminished. That's that's Attack of the Clones, right? Yeah, I think so. So, yeah. Yeah. so see, this is just kind of the, like, they're like, okay, something's going on. He seems kind of clouded. Um, and it just, that thread follows through to where they just, I mean, it's, they had pride. They didn't want to let people know. Because it's like, you know, if we ask for help or tell people, then they're going to know we're vulnerable. Yes. Well, one thing I want to bring up, and I might have brought it earlier, but it's that quote from Mace Windu. 
a virgin's in the force and you believe it's this boy, what if it wasn't? Think mm-hmm. about that. What if it was Palpatine the whole time and Qui-Gon had a bit, little bit of a miss, miss I guess, his, he was not attuned as, his, as, the, as everyone thought he was, that maybe this virgin's in the force was maybe, not Anakin, maybe Palpatine this entire time and just the Jedi had their force thoughts in different areas than they should have. You know, it's, and that's kind of painted later, you know, like you said, the very end of, um, Attack of the Clones isn't, you know, to say like, you know, uh, clouded the future is or something like that. You know, it goes from being the shroud of the dark side clouded. Right. Yes. Yeah. No, no, say it. If you, do you remember it? Well, no, he, what he talks about at the end of the movie is, uh, how the shroud of the dark side has fallen. Yes. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, it's kind of like. There's this whole shroud right now that they're they're in they're in the thick of it right now. You know? Yes, and it, it's just kind of that's why things seem like they're at peace, but it's just a little off. Yes, right. And uh, yeah, no, I guess to progress this the story and where we're gonna go and how, what the ultimate fate of of these characters are, we see them go back to Naboo and we kind of see Boss Nass in a new light. He's He's the one they needed help with in that one situation, but now they really need Boss Ass's help. They really need the Gungans' help. And how cool is that? It's kind of kind of like the Ewoks, if you think about it, except they're on their side. I, it's weird to say. But, like, mm-hmm. you have you have the Gungans who are this, this other civilization co- coexisting on this planet, and now they need these Gungans' helps because the humans are now screwed. You know what I mean? And <laughs> right. I mean... What a better way to get someone to join if Padme makes an agreement like we'll, we will live in we'll live in a mutual existing relationship and everything from here on out will be you know thought we will think of you when we do it too. It's kind of a I think it's kind of an incredible thing. I don't know. It's a it's something that's often forgotten with this story is that the Gungans kind of make a pretty big sacrifice too, especially with this final battle, which I think yeah. If we're going to go back and kind of break away from the story, I think it's still one of the greatest, like, it's the only one, if I'm not mistaken, that has four sequences going on at once. We've got the trade feds in space with Anakin. You've got Qui-Gon and Obi-Wan and Maul. You've got Padme going around feed. And then you've got the Gungans on the main battle. And, like, the way it's done is that all their stories are all intertwined more so than Return of the Jedi, and more so than uh, I think it's the only one that actually does that too. Yeah, yeah. that was kind of like the parallel uh, to the yeah. trilogy was that it was a, it. It seems like a three way battle, but I didn't actually notice till you made the point, Scotty. That it, it, it's you know you got land, you got ground battle, space battle. The battle yeah, the, the soul of the galaxy. Yep, it was always the land the force was users. the land was a distraction for them to be able to get to feed. And then the the obviously the conflict between Obi Wan Maul and and Qui Gon was its own little thing that actually wasn't even part of the bigger. It was, you know Maul happened to be there, and then the space battle is what's controlling the battle down there. It's like right. it's it's way more complex than people give it credit. That's like right. I There's a little more like intrigue and complexity. Like yeah, spycraft with Padme. Yes, trying to infiltrate. You know, like. In Return of the Jedi, it's just Han has to blow up that thing for the ships to get in. That's it. <laughs> that serves its purpose. And then once they yep. get in, we see, you know, 
Anakin and Vader doing their thing, and then that ends, and then they get out, and then you know Anakin has—I mean Luke has to get out too. So like, it's it's weird. This is the first time you're seeing it from this perspective where it's like, no, these all these little sequences have to work together, and it's actually pretty intricate, you know. And especially when we get to the Maul and Obi Wan fight, which is mostly mute of dialogue, which is the first time I think that's happened in Star Wars 2. There's no 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 discussion at all. It's all nonverbal. Right. Which is pretty and cool. It is really cool. And it's you know, it was it's important too because you don't get sucked into that possibility of some cheesy kind of you know, Freddy Krueger bad yeah. line. You know, right. and yeah. it, it works really well. Yep. And I wonder if there might have been a scripted point of it, but the fact that there is literally no words all the way from that part on to where Obi-Wan yells no. You know, they don't yep. they don't say anything. And, like, there's one thing I want to get into that we actually discussed before the podcast. And they're fighting, they're fighting, they're fighting. And remember that little the little shield scene? Where, laser where Obi-Wan, gates. The laser gates, yeah. And laser Obi-Wan gates. couldn't make it. Something. And Qui- Qui-Gon <laughs> sitting there and Maul's walking like a tiger in his cage back and oh, forth staring man. at him. Such a cool scene. I love that. I but, love that. Yep. But Jerry, I was it Pete? I don't remember who said it at the very beginning when we when we first before we even started recording. Someone mentioned how maybe Qui Gon had some sort of foresight. You know well, that you know he's sitting there like uh, meditate. He he's the only one who sits down and stops to meditate. Again, being the most yep. Jedi of Jedi. Yep. And Obi Wan, you know, Obi Wan's young. He's ready to go. He's back there. He's getting himself psyched up. Pumped up, yeah. Mm-hmm. Maul is just a is a, a wild animal. He's a he's just a, a deadly weapon, ready to go. You know, he's yeah. Getting his anger built up, and, and Qui Gon stops, and he turns off his saber. I mean, they all pretty much do, but but he ta- he stops. He turns off his saber, and he meditates. Yep. Who's to say he doesn't see his fate? Um, I mean, yeah. You've got to think he did. Did he know? What was going to happen to him? Did he even see that? Well, I've I've got to go out here, and I'm I'm probably not coming back. But I've got to go out here, and I've got to finish this for there to ultimately be balance. Yes. Even you know, and that could have reaching far-reaching consequences. Even uh, uh, you know, all the way to the rise of Skywalker. I mean, I completely agree. And there's one thing that I failed to mention was the inclusion of midi chlorians in this. And at one point he does say – I mean it's huge to me. I know it sounds silly, but George was doing something very interesting when he painted this picture. And in Clone Wars, they obviously break it down much more. And he says if you quiet your mind enough, you can you can hear the will of the Force, which is determined mm-hmm. by the many chlorians inside of you. And maybe he was quieting his mind enough to to have – you know, these wills speak to him and say, this is what, this is what will happen. And, you know, he will come back at some point, you know, through the force in which we see that much later and it'll guide you and guide your, you know, your, I guess your Padawan too with, with Obi-Wan, which is very much alluded to in Revenge of the Sith, which I think we're going to get in the Obi-Wan series. (laughs) I know I'm, I'm I'm stepping off a little too far than I should, but, but when you really think about it and like what, what that moment could imply for the overall saga, I think it's actually pretty profound. Just him meditating there. Because we haven't seen that. Besides when Ray is about to fall off the cliff and she closes her eyes and she feels the force and she Let's hears the, the force. Let's the force in. Right. Yeah. yeah. Let's the force awaken within her. So it's, <laughs> I don't know. I, I, I just think it's, 
if he if he were to anticipate his death, maybe he he knew this would happen, and he listened to the wills when it happened. I don't know. And then when his death ultimately does happen, we see how important it is. And his last promise, the one thing he's like, I just promise me you'll train the boy, is just such a cool thing because that might have been his mistake or it might have been, like Jerry said, maybe some sort of Doctor Strange uh, Mm -hmm. Infinity War foresight that it would help him. I don't know. (laughs) Seeing all (laughs) the outcomes. Outcomes, yeah, yeah. Yeah. The the only inconsistency that I see in that scene... Again, why do I feel like I'm always the guy who's like, oh, yeah, no, 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 no worries. (laughs) But is Obi Wan, uh, or maybe, you know, as I'm going to say it, I'm thinking about it and and it's making sense to me. Obi Wan comes out like like a ball of fire, just swinging and swinging and swinging, like Luke did to Vader. He's pissed. But when he wins the battle, it's when he's at his most calm. Sure, he's hanging mm-hmm. and dangling for his yeah. life, but that's when he takes that moment to just stop, pause, consider the situation. And maybe that's the lesson there is, you know, he was never going to win that battle if he just kept coming at him hard totally. like that. And the only way to win it was to to be con- uh, contemplative. And, of course, that's the way Luke beats the Emperor in uh, Return of the Jedi. And, and I would not be surprised to see that echoed at the m- most critical moment in episode nine damn good point yeah no it's it's weird because uh, and to kind of jump back for a second that is the best choreographed fight scene still oh, just it's still mm, my favorite lightsaber how visceral battle doubt. it is yeah. and he does the thing where he goes behind his back with the saber like dude that is so <laughs> phenomenal but like yeah no he when he quiets his mind he jumps up and slices maul in half it kind of makes you see a little bit more of a parallel between maul and palpatine now that you think mm-hmm. about it because yep. Maul lived, and he fell down a chasm. Palpatine lived, and he <laughs> fell down a chasm. I mean, I mean, let's be real here. I mean, it's it's been shown that uh, no matter how hard the fall or how long the fall was, and we know Palpatine obviously some sort of blue explosion happened, but like, <laughs> it's 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 just so it's interesting because Maul didn't die there. It's made right. very clear that he didn't die there. Maybe and that's why there's such few OSHA regulations in the Star Wars. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you can fall off and you can come back. You'll be, be fine. Big. Yeah. <laughs> Walk it off, man. Walk it off. You know. uh, and go get a frozen bag of uh, of Bantha milk over there and put it. Yeah. <laughs> Just put it. No. In the uh, you know. It prove what it proves is that the you know there is something to the dark side. There is something to this mm-hmm. this power that you know. Dude. There's a reason why people choose this, and it also shows the power of someone's hatred. Uh, it's just what I think the uh, even though there is power in it, it's not the power that you want to go for. No, no, but it's ultimately, ultimately, like you were saying, Pete, the lesson is look at what happened. Obi Wan was triumphant because he quieted his mind. Yep, in what he he remembered his teachings. Uh, Ray, she ends up beating Kylo because she quiets her mind. Uh, Luke makes the right decision, throws down his saber and says, I'm not going to fight. You know, I'm going to stop. And ultimately wins the battle for him. Mm-hmm. Just, I don't know, the it, it's it's a very deep theme and I'm, I'm just going to end up going on a tangent for it through. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, that's the beauty of this movie alone. It's, uh, it really kind of sets the standard for the, the overarching story. And it's kind of cool. I think a lot of what this people thought when this movie originally came out was, was going to be Anakin 
seeing that dark side initially happen, but it was not quite what that was at all. It was very much just how to see where this, where this, how Palpatine, like Pete said earlier, kind of came into existence, especially with the use of Maul and Maul's death, which I think for a lot of people was very disappointing. But, Mm. but in regards to Maul as a character too, it's, um, Barely any dialogue. Um, obviously, really not that important at the time being, but later is much more important. And you see that Palpatine really kind of used this dude as just cattle. You know, like yep. you're just trying to get from point A to point B. And mm-hmm. I don't know. It's it's kind of cool because we do see Napu being one back, and we do see you know Qui Gon's funeral, and you know he wants he wants. Obviously, once Obi Wan to train him and promise me you'll train him, and then we get to this part where they show Yoda and and Obi Wan. He's like, I'm not gonna train him. Like, nope. Um, you know, no. I'm sorry. Yoda saying you will not train him. He he is way too old, clouded right. in his future. And to me, that a thousand percent parallels what happens in Empire Strikes Back. Like, nope, too right. old, can't train him. And it's the same exact thing. It's another Skywalker. So, it's a. Uh, it's very, very interesting in, in that regard because you see that Yoda still holds the same sentiment. <laughs> Sorry, that was Katie. Hi, Katie. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> it anyway, wouldn't be anyway. an episode without Cameo. <laughs> no, no, let me edit that. Um, but no, y'all, like, uh, I mean, not to say we're done with this, but, like, to think about what Palpatine does, too, and he the very subtle manipulation of... Uh, of Anakin, and he's like, "We'll watch your career with great interest." Oh, how like, creepy is that now? So you know what I mean, like, it's, you <laughs> stay away boy. from that precious little baby. <laughs> exactly, <laughs> stay away from him, sir. <laughs> no, and one thing I wanted to bring up, and <laughs> so I know funny. I mentioned it yeah. a little bit earlier. They they watched the funeral pyre for for Qui Gon, and I, I wanted to bring this up, and I, it just dawned on me, and I'm so happy I thought of it. The only other funeral pyre you see in all of Star Wars, it was Qui-Gon, and then it was Vader. So you kind of see the beginning. You see the the cause of this, and then you see the end of this. Like, mm-hmm. same exact. They have this beautiful funeral pyre, and it's weird to think that the the son of the man, you know, the I guess Vader's son is the one giving him the funeral pyre, and then there's... Vader is a little boy giving the man that promised to be his master a funeral pyre. And the music that's played, which is very interesting, and, I, and I'm getting chills talking about it because it's the same exact funeral music that's played when Padme dies. All right? Mm-hmm. And oh, I really? really Padme's yes, funeral. Yeah. Yes, well, Padme's yeah, and her funeral. Death. And her death. Yes, right. and her death. So I don't know what that means, but not saying Ben Solo is going to go. But if we see a death, what a better way to show, like, you oh, know, the, Scott, the journey of the force, <laughs> oh, you know, you with that <laughs> same music, you know, even if they had done that with with Han, I don't know if it would have been as strong. But like if they do a funeral pyre, what if it was I don't know, like it's it's pretty deep, but like it's it's cool because at one point Yoda and Mace are like, you know, what if there's going to if there is a. Apprentice, and there must have been a master, and it just cuts to that shot of Palpatine. The music kind of builds, and Palpatine's just <laughs> wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Yes, but it's <laughs> right, but it's so well done. It, it is just, very beautiful. I love it because you see Jar Jar there, sad. You see Obi Wan. You see Padme. Everyone is there in just absolute mourning, and then you kind of see 
Palpatine respectfully looking on, but it's just uh it's so dark. Snake in the grass, man. Snake in the It's so dark. But, but yeah, then we no, throw it, a parade. Then we throw a parade. <laughs> yeah, we won. And we we're all happy. Friends. We're playing a happy tune. <laughs> could we could we get a funeral pyre in episode nine for Han, Leia oh, and Ben? Wow. Oh my god. I have no see the Leia thing. I almost don't want to touch it because I don't know what that's going to be like. I, but I'm still – I think she's making it through because I just think – I don't know. I don't know. I think that's been a big criticism is like, oh, they're going to kill someone in each one. I, I just don't think they'll touch it. In the, I don't know. They could it, They could handle it very well. We don't know. So Yeah, and that's the that's the beauty of this buildup. Mm-hmm. And like and maybe some things you can think about when watching and listening to this. It's like they – this funeral pyre thing was is a obviously a Jedi tradition, and I don't know where Luke learned it from, and I don't know mm-hmm. if it was just out of his heart or it, it. And you see, and this is getting real crazy. The funeral pyre obviously led to Kylo Ren finding the mask, and like right. just the it's it's not really discussed. That it's not not really discussed when anyone brings up this Jedi tradition, but it's it's definitely if, a tradition. What if the funeral pyre in Episode Nine is Palpatine, but it's not a respectful pyre. <laughs> Ooh, or of a, like burning the hell out of him. Yeah, just so like he can't make come back. sure he's dead. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean that. You know that could be too. You never yeah. know. It could be like maybe Ray and Kylo are both there, and they just make sure. And it's like kind of a weird juxtaposition. Oh, that well, that's brilliant, actually. If that happens, that, if that if well, let okay, me, Scotty, you're buying me dinner. If it, no, I'm just kidding. No, no, no. no wait, well, I want to say one thing. <laughs> The the symbolism I had pointed this out months ago, and it didn't dawn on me till I just till Jerry just said that the symbolism of fire and Star Wars is very interesting because mm-hmm. for Luke, just Luke, they had he walks in and he comes back home and his family, uh, Aunt Beru and Owen, they're on fire. That whole the whole place mm-hmm. is pretty much on fire. I mean, Laster, mm-hmm. they, they I mean they were smoking at, at one point. Someone was on fire. Then the next shot with fire was whenever, um, if I'm not mistaken, was when he's standing in front of Vader's body, right? And that fire happens, you know, and he's, you know, there's a funeral pyre there. The next symbolism of fire was, um, if I'm not mistaken, it was uh, when Ben Solo burnt down or he's standing in front of that fire that, you know, obviously must have happened whenever the temple went down or whatever Ben Solo did after that evening. You know what I mean? Because in yep. The Force Awakens, it was definitely a fire. I don't know if it was so much in... Um, the last Jedi, but like the next symbolism of fire is the most beautiful. And you might not think about it when the forestry catches on fire because of Yoda, it's like, it shows hmm. this, oh, yeah. this painting of, of like, I don't know, rebirth or some sort of like realization. Like there's always a big, a bigger step, you know, it, it, it's kind of a, well, it's, it's fire know. is cleansing, correct? You know, it, it, yeah. Yeah. It's almost a, it is that in real life, but also, you know, it's cleansing. It's got almost like a uh, there. There's this. There's this analogy uh, in. Uh, I'm trying to think. I think it's like the Bible kind of talks about. Uh, I'm not trying to be all like uh, uh, spiritual here. No. But uh, uh, let me preach. No. Uh, <laughs> being refined uh, by the fire to be yeah. gold. Like you know, gold. When you when you refine gold, you're burning away the impurities, so it comes up. Yes. So and it's almost like fire is. It's it's taking these characters to where they need to go. Hmm, it, definitely, it's, it's almost like it, like you talk about if you what you're talking about with 
Luke's journey with yes. his aunt and uncle, it pushes him towards that fire, pushes him towards uh, going with Obi-Wan. The yeah. Tree with Yoda, it pushes him. Forget the past. To forget the, to actually like, no, I've got to step up. I've got to, I've got to do something. Yes. Yes. And then you've got the cleansing of Anakin burning yes. her, or I believe it's just Vader's armor because, you know, yes, horse ghost, but you know, it's burning of that, the, the cleansing and all that, which would lead into, uh, Palpatine maybe being the one like cleanse the galaxy finally. Yeah. yeah. Of well, of the of the devil essentially, he people is the devil of the of the he is. Star Wars universe. Well, one yep. thing I I want to say before like we end up closing this thing out, it's like not the whole thing, but this 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 little convo we've got, like especially with with this idea of fire and like I don't know, it, it's it's weird. It's like you you can sit there and kind of take a step back and think about what could this mean, but like you got to realize the prequels was Anakin's rising, okay? Then the original trilogy is Anakin's in charge and what the mistakes he might have made. And then the consequences is what's is what the, the outcome of that is what the sequel trilogy has been. Now, I just said Anakin, but if you really think about it, it's Palpatine being the one that influences the sequences of the prequels. The outcome is I'm sorry, the the actual ruling is during the original trilogy, and then the outcome of his is what he did to the Skywalkers. The how fallout, he yeah. Skywalkers. yeah, and 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 maybe Ray being this, you know, uh, darkness rises and light to meet it. That light to meet it's not it, Palpatine probably didn't expect it. I don't know, mm-hmm. and that's, I love that. That's where that so much that gets me that, so geeked. Well, where that trailer <laughs> gets me interesting, it's like here. You're, uh, what, damn it. I, I literally have it written down. You're, you're <laughs> meeting, here you go. Long have I awaited, and now you are coming together. This, uh, no, will be you're your coming undoing. together, will be your, un- or is your undoing. It's like, <sighs> I'm just getting real geeked to hear Ray talk to Palpatine. Can you, I'm just, I know. Oh, uh, okay. Oh, uh, yeah, I haven't thought of that. That's going to be amazing. It's like, <laughs> she's so like, what I love about Ray, and we're, dude, we're getting, into different stories now, so I gotta be quick. It's okay, that's okay. But, like, what's so cool about Ray's, you saw in The Last Jedi, and I heard a lot of my friends' hangups were like, one of my friends had a hangup where she, he was like, you know, they had that whole thing about, like, Luke was so concerned, she went straight to the dark side. And yes. Hesitate. And he was like, but they never brought it up again. But I'm like, the, the whole point of that to me was Ray's not tempted by that kind of stuff. That shows yes. that. This is she is the light, literally right like, ray, a ray of light. Meet the darkness. Yes. She's not she's like she can go and touch it, look at it, hold it, and go, that's not for me. Exactly. And on and that is what you need to finally confront the ultimate evil of Palpatine and rid of rid us of it once and for all. So well that's one, awesome. I get off my soapbox. I'm no no no. <laughs> no, Pete. Did you, did you want to add anything to that in particular? No, there's not much I can add to that. It's it. It's um. I just I, I'm getting more and more psyched for episode nine than I, <laughs> I thought I could be talking about episode one. This is amazing. It's so crazy, well, and that's what this bombad buildup is for, guys. <laughs> well, one thing I want to close on, and I don't know if anyone's had the opportunity to watch it. I'm, I know Jerry was there with me. We were there when we saw it, Pete. If you haven't, treat yourself to it. But there is um, David S. Collins did. The music of the Phantom Menace, oh, and yeah. he breaks down at celebration. He breaks down the Palpatine theme hidden in the uh, 
what's the name of the song at the end of the Phantom Menace? Uh, it's it's uh, Augie's yeah. Municipal Band. Yes, yes. It's it, it. It's like yay, let's have a parade. <laughs> I my neighbor did not the, who watched with me, Devin. Shout out to my neighbor Devin. He was yeah. He, he had a, he was actually having a lot of we had a lot of fun that night. But I said, you know, they had me the the chat had me wait. Yes, because it came up early in the movie that that those that music has a significance. And oh yeah! Don't tell them. Don't tell them until it gets to it. And so I said, <laughs> okay. I said, think think Palpatine's theme. Think the Emperor's theme. Yeah. It just oh, he was like, whoa. <laughs> like it's, yeah. It's <laughs> pretty sadistic, right? It's like it is. We every we we won. The bad guy's dead. But um, <laughs> that that one ending scene paints one little picture for me. It. It shows Art 2 and it shows Obi-Wan and it shows Anakin and he smiles at Padme, which I don't know if is implying anything, but we know later in the line it's a much bigger thing than that. And the little boy ends up becoming a man. That's a 10-year-old that's uh, with, with some game right there. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but the coolest thing is before it cuts to Boston Ass at the very end, it actually cuts to Palpatine smiling. You know, it, like it, it's kind of crazy because George has been painting yep. this picture slowly, slowly, slowly. That Palpatine's this big. I mean, he's you know this is a big deal. So that that's where pretty much it ends right there, and it has the the full shot that parallels A New Hope, that parallels almost every Star Wars ending. Besides, actually no, just New Hope, and it parallels Return of the Jedi, and it kind of parallels another thing with the Last Jedi too. But the Last Jedi's ending shot was not that. It was it's kind of a group shot. Yeah. 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 Right. Well, um, you know, Palpatine is probably smiling because he's like, I kind of like this tune. I think I'm gonna use it later. <laughs> that's no, catchy um, yeah <laughs> it is so catchy but it could be a little bit catchier no catch me when i fall um no uh, a little put a little pizzazz in it a little pal yeah. pizzazz. um but that kind of closes out this big discussion some things i wanted to bring up to y'all just as big story threads that are not answered in this movie and i'll go over one of them right now um the prophecy of the chosen one was never mentioned in the original trilogy. And they keep throwing in this thing, this entire movie. And, and I want to know what y'all think particularly of that. Pete, do you have any, like, the Chosen One thing is something I've also debated a lot in my head when I'm driving. But do you ever really think about what that could imply and what that might mean? Why, why it was only brought up in the prequels and, and not mm-hmm. at all in the... Well, not even just that. Just, like, what... In the prophecy to bring balance to the force, but it's like, why do they think Anakin would be the one? Was it because he was immaculately concepted, or was it because I, I don't know? It's why wouldn't someone else do it besides just Anakin? I don't know. Like, what? Well, you know, a lot of it could be the fact that Qui Gon was so focused on the force. He was, he was a, you know, and he believed that they ended up. You know, he looked at uh, a sidetrack of a mission. As not just a well, the ship broke down. We have to go yes. get it fixed. As why did we do this? And then that brought to him the fact that he believed that, you know, I found this virgins in the forest. And then when Shmi said there was no father, um, and his midi chlorian count was off the charts, which I still I don't even want to talk about midi chlorians. But the yeah, um, but I, I mean it's it's all part of the story. And so um, I think it was brought up then. And then I think the reason it wasn't brought up at all in the sequ- in the uh, the original trilogy was. It didn't fit in the story. It didn't matter. And it didn't. Um, I because I think, you know, first of all, Ben 
lies to or Obi-Wan lies to Luke or from a certain point of view to get him to do what he feels he needs to do somehow. And maybe we'll learn this in the Obi-Wan series as to why he believed that Luke had a, a role in in taking down Vader yeah. and what happened with that. You know, we never really know why he believes that that needs to happen. So that's the exactly. one thing that I want to learn from the Obi-Wan story. And but I think you know, I, I think maybe they also saw that when Anakin knew that he was the the chosen one, if you tell that to Luke at that point, that he has to go do whatever it is, whether he's the chosen one or his father was the chosen one or whatever, it uh, it's, a, it's a heavier burden to bear. It's hard enough to mm-hmm. say, by the way, wow. uh, Vader was your father, and now and... you got to go take him down. <laughs> yeah. and, oh, by the way, he was the chosen one created by the Force. Good luck with that. And, uh, <laughs> yeah. you don't screw That's like it up. And, you're, and you're a product yeah. of that, too, which is kind of cool. That's right. Yeah, you're in the and, lineage, yeah. And yeah. to think that Ben is also a product of that is like, if that's yep. the case, you know, and if the force immaculately concepted or if Palpatine had some involvement, I mean, what a better way to me to make that manipulation turn back around if he was like, yeah, no, I created Anakin well, and you're the product of my creation. And, to and think, I've been Vader the whole time through the mask. It did just really destroy Ben Solo's right. character. Oh, right. Oh, yeah. Well, to yep, think yep. that that power has not gotten weaker through the generations since Anakin, but it has only gotten, like Luke says, he'd never seen anything as powerful as Rave since before, like. Yes. And Solo. You know, yes. think like I don't. I don't know. It's not to get into power ratings and all that stuff. This isn't a video game or Dragon Ball Z or anything. But <laughs> yeah, uh, but I, I have the prophecy pulled up now, gentlemen. If you would like me, oh to- please, yeah. That's oh, one cool do. thing is we actually now have the prophecy itself. There's it. Yes. There's several parts to it, but here's the main uh, prophecy that they kind of talk about in the book Master and Apprentice by Claudia Gray. Check it. Mm-hmm. Out. Claudia Gray is like the. He, she's one of the best. Uh, authors we have writing Star Wars uh, material these days, so check that out for sure. Anyway, the prophecy reads, Only through sacrifice of many Jedi will the Order cleanse the sin done to the nameless. Ooh, that's a little... Ooh, yeah. There's a lot there. Uh, The danger of the past is not past, but sleeps in an egg. When the egg cracks, it will threaten the galaxy entire. When the Force itself sickens, past and future must split and combine. There's so much in this. Whoa. And one shall come, born of no father. Through him, ultimate balance in the force will be restored. Wow. <laughs> right. Wow. And that really um, can do a lot of damage. Like, if you think about, like, that, <laughs> just what that means, the implications for that. Oh, so past, many nerd minds exploded when they read this, man. The, the, what, what was the beginning uh, of the past and the future? Oh, the, okay, let's see. When the force itself sickens... Uh, which is an interesting phrase. The past, <laughs> or past and future must split and combine. Which, again, this is written in the sequel trilogy era, man. I'm, I think they're really kind of. <laughs> we're, we're man. There's a lot of. There's a lot of. There's a lot of stuff in this. Well, <laughs> uh, chose yeah, but it says they must. Uh, past and future must split and combine. A chosen one shall come, born of no father, and through him will ultimate balance and the force be restored. Um. The danger of the past is not in the past, but sleeps in an egg. When the egg cracks, it will threaten the galaxy entire. How much of this are we? Nine. <laughs> I mean, holy well, cow! And uh, what, wait, where was this? This was written. This was uh, in, in, in Master and Apprentice. Master and Apprentice came out this beginning of this year. Oh, okay, this is Master and Apprentice. It takes okay, place yep. before uh, I think about five or ten years before. Uh, it's about eight years before Phantom Menace. Okay, if I remember correctly. 
Okay, well... A lot in that. That's a great read if you guys haven't read it. So. Well, one funny thing you say, and I, it immediately... Like, right as you started reading it, I'm like, I have to pull it up. There was that uh, Journal of the Wills poem that Alan D. Foster had. was the epilogue to The Force Awakens. Do you remember mm-hmm. this? And I'll read it to y'all vaguely. because it parallels it a lot. It says, first comes the day, then comes the night. After the darkness shines through the light. The difference, they say, is only made right by the resolving of gray through a fine Jedi sight. It's kind of, yeah. in its own way, it has a very similar feel. You know, it's like, it, it's, ah, I don't know. It's like, what what could all this mean? Especially with the Chosen One theory and, and how this, this story is going to wrap up. I don't know. I've... You really want to have your mind blown? The next prophecy is, he who learns to conquer death will through his greatest student live again. Say that again? Say that again? He who learns to conquer conquer death death. will through his greatest student live again. Oh. And I'm going to drop my mic. Good night, everybody. (laughs) It's been good. Kisses. All right. What is... What could that mean, though? Wait, wait, one more time, just so I can... One more time. We should probably... uh, Maybe this can lead us into a little bit of, like, the state of... Well, you know, we've talked a lot about Palpatine, but we'll just leave this, you know? Um, He who learns to conquer death will... Okay, he who learns... Yes, sorry. So, no, I was wondering, he who learns to conquer death, so that means, like... Would that mean power? Where have we heard that, that before? <laughs> yeah, I guess you're right. <laughs> conquer death. Will, through his greatest student, live again. Not forever, live again. Oh my wow. God. Find death and resurrection. Wow. Yeah. Oh man, now we're getting real philosophical. I don't know, yeah. Dylan, that's, anyway. that's crazy. <laughs> I just, I'm sorry, I pulled up an article with all of those uh, prophecies in it. I forgot wow. what those things are. So, Well, um, one thing I want to close on, and especially, I have this one section written, and if y'all want to, you know, I already kind of brought it up, except for one thing. Um, I wrote, what will the Rise of Skywalker answer? And there's one thing I wanted to bring up, just from a storytelling perspective, just to kind of close that. It's not as deep as what we just discussed, but you know, we obviously three PO's involvement with this final film is much more significant than we thought. And right. if you don't know this, give it a rewatch. And I hopefully, after listening to this, you're going to be like, "Man, I got to go put on the Phantom Menace." Because there's one shot; it's the only POV point of view shot in this entire mm. saga. And it's going to be 3PO looking directly at Anakin, walking around Anakin's bedroom. And he's like, you know, it's like, look, 3PO, you better take care of my mom because you know this. And it's the <laughs> only shot where someone's – it's almost like an 80s movie. Someone's talking directly to the camera and the camera's moving. It's very Ferris Bueller. And it's moving back and <laughs> forth. And, I mean, we obviously know at some point C-3PO's memories are going to play into this. Now, not to say you will see this scene exactly or they will show a clip of this scene, but – it's the very, it's the only POV shot, and it's dealing with three PO giving that POV shot. So you know, I just, if they show if they show some memories from his mind, we could see that. Yes, like, and that would be oh, that would that would be wild if we saw that. Exactly, this movie's going to destroy us, guys. <laughs> I think you're right. I think you're right. <laughs> I, but what's I have to warn, though, that's so, yeah. It's interesting that so much of this stuff from from Episode One is the kind of stuff that's that's triggering these uh this 
this desire to see nine, right? Yeah. We're just having this conversation. Yeah. So well, you know, I think it's we, be... they've been saying, you know, they're they're tying. We're going to tie all these threads together. Um, this is yeah. in a nice bow by the time we're done with it. So, well, I I think it's the the two prequels that might actually do more damage than not damage, not in a bad way, but do more like story heavy hitting than any of the originals and kind of the sequels is Revenge of the Sith and. You know, the Phantom Menace. I mean, these are like story wise and what they set up is pretty heavy hitting. They're they're you know? dense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They are yeah. so it's dense foundational. For, yeah, and it really is. And and I am just elated and I'm and I cannot wait to actually listen back to this later. This was such a <laughs> great conversation. I mean, I can't thank y'all enough for making this happen. Like I uh, this this has been a blast. I am I am so excited for everyone to listen in on this, but um, you're welcome. Yeah, no, you're welcome. Yeah, you're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> no, but uh, in all seriousness, guys, we've been going on for almost about an hour and fifty minutes now, and uh, I, I don't, I don't know if there's anything else you want to close with, or if if your final statements have been made. But I think the Phantom Menace is, like Jerry said, a lot more foundational and a lot bigger of a story than you remember. Especially well, I just, if you watch it from a particular lens. Right. Mm-hmm. All I've really got to say is just that this this is my favorite prequel. Like it, it's still Heck it yeah. brings back the most nostalgia. It feels very connected to the originals for me, and then even the other two. And maybe that's the the way the the way the film the the cinematography looks. Yeah. But just it. I don't know. It just there's something about it. It just feels. Uh, it feels like a, a timeless story. It does. That is just, I don't know. This is, it's the opening chapter. And it, it is. It honestly, guys, I still think it's got a lot in there to hook you. So it does. Every yeah, saga has he's... a beginning. Every saga has a beginning. Oh, oh. There we go. Yeah, we'll, we'll start. Yeah, we're going to say those catchphrases. Every saga <laughs> has a beginning. And um, just wait. <laughs> it will live on forever. Oh, man, it's so dense. No, uh, Pete, <laughs> if anything you want to just disclose out with, man. No, you know, I, I I can't recommend enough for people to follow along with you guys and Aww. watch these movies again because, you know, I as, as I said before, my daughter and I have, have been planning and have watched, uh, we've watched the first three, um, and we're, we're continuing our, our journey, but... It definitely makes connections that you may or may not have been prepared to think about. And this definitely. show that you guys are doing is so important um, and such a great time and a great way to to be reminded of these these subtleties. I can't wait to listen to uh, Attack of the Clones. So hopefully you guys can get that out of the basement of my favorite yeah. Star Wars film. Um, <laughs> hey, we're going to dig for all the gold. I'm sure. I'll bet there's things in there. Well, I mean, you have all the dream sequences and oh, there's so much great stuff there. So, yeah. um, but um yeah, so I'm. Uh, although that's actually Revenge of the Sith. Yeah, maybe there's nothing good in the text. That'll be like a ten minute show. I'm hey. kidding, of course. I'm kidding. <laughs> You're gonna have a fun time listening to that episode for sure. If not, because we're gonna have to get the bleep button ready because you know, we're right. Alice and Laura. On- <laughs> I'm just kidding. Man. We're good. Yeah. No, but no. I, I, I thank you very much for having me on to do this because it's, uh, it's, it's, it's reawakened. There's been an awakening. I don't know if you felt it or not. Oh. <laughs> I'm so psyched for that. Movie. Anyway, no. Um, uh, hopefully, this episode has made you want to taste more of what this series is going to be. Not just for Pete, but for our listeners around. And uh, we, we have been working hard and, and writing a lot of notes. And our next recording is actually 
two nights from now, so I'm gonna have to watch Attack of the Clones <laughs> and kind of take it in tomorrow. Yeah, night. we're gonna we didn't we're not gonna have as much time to kind of marinate in in the delicious mm. the clones. Just, <laughs> no, it's it's sad, but I think there's a lot there is a lot to it. So I don't know. We'll we'll have to try to get we'll it. See, possibly can. So they might bring some uh, some pretty cool tidbits in, but. Uh, Pete, we can't thank you enough for being a part of this first journey and this this step into a larger world because you having you have you know were who you were when when this stuff was coming out and what you did you know around it is just such an interesting thing and if y'all haven't give Pete's a fan fan novel a read I downloaded it I read it through a first couple I still of pages of it got to crack it's that good. thing open man no I, I think oh, once the man. rise of Skywalker happens and I'm, I, there's not as much going on I think I'm gonna really come to sit down <laughs> we, and have a day <laughs> my, my have, biggest yeah. fear. Yeah, my biggest fear is that after Rise of Skywalker comes out, all of my theories that are in my version of the book are going to be totally shot to hell. But... <laughs> and that's going to be okay, especially this episode. It might not mean as much, but hopefully listening now, you're like hyped up to see what's going to happen. Oh, man, yeah, without a doubt. This uh, has been so much fun. Uh, but thank you so much, Pete, man. And we'll hopefully, maybe after the Rise of Skywalker comes out, we'll have a... Uh, I was hoping we'd do some sort of little mini episode where we have you on for 15, 20 minutes. We talk about what you thought of it, then have some more people on just to just to kind of, yeah. you know, we want to do it. like a round table kind of thing when that comes. Yeah, for sure. Like, you know, uh, all of us podcasters getting together, like we're getting around a table at IHOP and like going <laughs> super nerdy. So, Well, hit me up, guys. You know, uh, you can count on me. I'd be happy to join you anytime. Absolutely. Hey, best. and speaking of which, uh, uh, Pete, where can they where can they find you? Uh, where can people hit you up? Well, uh, <laughs> this is going to drop on Tuesday. You can follow me uh, on uh, ATGcast uh, on Twitter at ATGcast, or you can go to my website ATGcast.com. And uh, you guys are the first show that I'm going to get to say this on. Uh, I am starting a uh, a a second show. It's going to be a live show with Dave Amalotti from Beyond the Blast Doors. It's going to oh, air whoa. every Friday night, every Friday night at ten o'clock, and we're going to take on uh, uh, sort of a reaction and recap uh, live show for all the Disney Plus stuff. Yes. And we're going to invite people Fantastic. to join us in the show, both in the chats and and online. It's going to be it's going to be like a, a recap every Friday night at ten o'clock Eastern time. Nine o'clock central every Friday. Once uh, when our first one's going to be November eighth, so join us that night, yes. and uh, and we go from there every week. That wow. is exciting, man! Yeah, dude, Dave's so awesome. Much. David is a great yeah. dude. We we were actually texting the other day. He we met at celebration, and that is a that is a awesome. That is that is fantastic, Pete. Congratulations, man! Yeah, that's going to be a lot of fun. People. I can't wait to get with it. Yeah, they're great people. Dave's a great guy, and uh, I had Dave on my show, and I've been on his show a couple times, and uh, we seem to uh, we seem to have a pretty good sort of way of going about things so i'm excited to, to work Heck with him yeah, so man. it's gonna be a lot of fun that is amazing that, hey there you go guys go get ready for that for sure because wow that is exciting pete yeah that's a that's you'll see the bomb yeah. awesome in the thing, chat man. yeah, yeah so you can real, you'll man. be able to you'll be able to follow us at uh at streaming star wars it's going to be called streaming star ooh, wars the the ooh. twitter is uh at streaming sw so follow us there and it's going to be shown on the beyond the blast doors um uh, YouTube channel, and then we're going to take the audio and put it into the Around the Galaxy feed uh, every week. So wow. if you miss the show, you can listen to it. Fantastic. Dude. That's great because I love, I'm a big, I used to be a huge Walking Dead fan, and I always needed like that decompression with people. Yeah, yeah. that's that's <laughs> where we're going for. We Man. want to get everybody in the room and have us all like, oh my God, what just happened? So, oh, that is uh, amazing. I think this, I think in The Mandalorian, and I don't know if you had heard it, but we, we kind of discussed a 
couple weeks back, the the leak that Jason had put out there. I don't want to spoil it for anyone, but yeah, it, uh, you know, um, you know which one I'm talking about, right? Uh, uh, I don't. There's I've spoken to a few people, so there's a couple leaks that I've heard that I just make like a show that at the level I was expecting it to be is Way. now blown up. It's going to be so much better than I yeah, thought. So. Yeah. <laughs> oh man, uh, some. Uh, some interesting things that may occur, but anyway, um, y'all, this was amazing. I can't thank you both enough for this, this honor. And, uh, Jerry, where can the wonderful people find you? Well, guys, if you want to, you know, see my ramblings and stuff, you know, <laughs> go on rants and, and different kind of things on Twitter at the Canon junkie. I'm um, Canon junkie, you know, on there right now, right now I think I'm, uh, yeah, I'm still Canon junkies, Halloween pun name, uh, <laughs> but, uh, you know what, guys? Follow me there at the Cannon Junkie. Uh, follow us at the Bombadcast. We have a Facebook group. If you're on there, we get kind of we will give a little bit of thing, exclusivity news there first and stuff. It's we want to kind of build that up as more of a, a community, and so go there mm-hmm. to join. Uh, it's the Bombad uh, Fam, a Bombadcast official group. So look look at look for us on there uh, on Facebook. Uh, again, with your great grandparents and your uncles who <laughs> learned to use the computer, and uh, uh, guys, just just follow us around, man. We we really appreciate all that you guys do for us, and also yeah, subscribe to us on YouTube if you don't, because we we drop some trailer reactions and stuff on there, and we actually just crossed a th- by the time you listen to this a thousand subscribers. Crazy. Yes, I was very proud of you guys. Good job. That Thank was quick. You. Quick. I can't believe that it's. I'm not gonna lie. If I can, I'll, I'll tell you the statistics later. But I, I, it's almost. It sounds a little ignorant, but it's almost overnight. Like I'm not kidding. Yeah. Like no, it's, it was. It's over, crazy. It's great. Probably five nights, but it's crazy how much we got, yep. and the trailer reactions really blown up. But um, well, yeah, that is all because of you guys too. So yes, also true. If you're listening to this still. Go support positive Star Wars content. Uh, be a Neil. Lowry, be a, a an Anthony rural farm boy, be be a person like that, and shout out people who make positive Star Wars content. Uh, Great. We only reach this stuff because you guys make it happen. So oh, thank- I I gotta plug one more thing before we sign off. We've got some bomb bad shirts out, y'all. Go check the bomb. Oh, bag. I can't oh, believe we completely awesome. forgot about that. Yeah. yeah. So not only that, but you can you can put us on a tiny poster big enough to cover up that hole in your wall. You're trying to. <laughs> <laughs> um, you can get one of those. You can slap us on a pillow and sleep weird. Yep. Me, Scotty, and Jar Jar's faces. Uh, oh. On your couch. <laughs> we can get mugs. We've got phone cases. Whatever. Stickers. Desire. The Bombad Swag Store on T Public. Yes, yes. Thank it's it's you. there. I can't believe I forgot. No, dude, we we've ordered shirts. I ordered Katie a shirt. I ordered five stickers. I ordered um what else did I order? I, I think I spent seven. Someone ordered or some bucks. pins. Did you order some yeah. pins too? Some pins. Yeah. I ordered oh, some man. pins. Yeah, yeah, I ordered some pins. So um with that being said, y'all, go go check it out. It's under the um I'm pretty sure it's on the Bombad. It's pin tweet. I've got a pin tweet Twitter. on there, and yeah, we'll we'll let um, you know when there are some sales and stuff going. And some on. new stuff, possibly. But um, yeah, no, you can find me at the Scotty Jero on a uh, Twitter or the Scott Jero, and I'm Scotty Jero on there. Um, 
stay tuned. We've got so much more coming in the future. And and maybe even Jerry and I will do some quick 30-minute reactions to the Mandalorian trailer. Or you'll see <laughs> us in the live stream with Pete and Dave, which would be amazing. But uh I can't wait to have you guys. Oh, yeah, no, it's it's this is I'm just so giddy for the future. But anyway, <laughs> there's uh, a lot of it's not we're stepping on the gas, guys, and Lucasfilm is too, man. We're not <laughs> Letting off the gas till we get no kidding. Isaac Skywalker. No, nope. get ready. Gonna, Buckle in, guys. You might see a little bit of a break period for Jerry and I after that because it's a lot. <laughs> we might, yeah, we might take a break in the holidays. So. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But, uh, but yeah, um, it's, anyway, it's hard to keep up. It is, it is. But uh, thanks again, Pete. Man, we'll we'll see you in the near future, bud. Absolutely. Thank you, guys. Thank you so much for having me. This was a ton of fun. That's awesome. All right. Well, uh, Jerry, what should the good people at home do? You should go slap our faces on a on a, a pillow, and you should also stay Shut up.